welcome to the quarter to three movie podcast for Mission Impossible Fallout. My name is Tom Chick. I am here with Christian Murkowski. I would like to be known as Derry Murbles. That's not what I expected. And with a Mission Impossible Fallout tagline, Kelly Wand. Finally, a Mission Impossible movie where something dumb happens involving aircraft and masks. <laughs> Wait, I don't get the masks Ooh. part. Kelly Wand, give me one that I understand. That's all I had. Whoa! Wow! Whoa. What? You chose not to accept the task of providing three taglines, Kelly Wand. I am flummoxed. Well, they cut into the opsis. Like, I go, that joke steps on that. That's more important. Well, let's stop stepping on things and get to us by having Tingus tell us what the movie is that we saw this week without spoiling anything. All right. This week we saw Mission Colon Impossible Fallout. Oh! Wait, where's the colon or are there two of them? I think Dingus has trolled you. Damn it! Um, yeah. Uh, this is in keeping with how I did the Mission Colon... Impossible Rogue Nation. So it's actually mission colon impossible dash fallout. So there's a colon and a dash. None of these so are true. Awesome. These are all fake news brought to you by Dingus. Oh. That's right. <laughs> I'm only I'm your I'm your true source for fair and balanced oh, fake news. Oh no, Thank actually you. you know what? I, I, Dingus is right, Kelly Wan. Did you know that? No, I don't look at stuff. Dingus is actually one hundred percent correct. I totally thought he was pulling our chain. Jesus, what? Pete, what's up? It is Mission Colon Impossible Dash Fallout. I totally That's how thought things yeah. was. Wow. I would have right. just ditched the colon entirely. Well, you're bearing the lead here, Kelly One. The lead is that we did not believe Dingus. I we, did. We, oh, you did? Okay. Well, the, the lead is that I didn't believe you. Dingus, I stand corrected. Carry That's on. That's an even bigger lead. <laughs> Tom by himself was a fool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mission Dash Impossible. Mission colon impossible dash fallout, a 2018 American action adventure thriller, sixth installment in the Mission Impossible film series sequel spy movie about figuring it out. It was directed by Christopher McQuarrie and written by him based on the television series created by Bruce Geller. He's can bend spoons with his mind, can't he? Oh, Kelly, wait, no, way too obscure. Off, Get out of here with that. Shut up, Kelly Wan. Kelly Wan, he was there the is... first. He was the first man in space. I thought he was the Hulk. <sighs> Kelly, there is no spoon joke. <laughs> it is. It Big stars. Sapphire. It stars Tom Cruise, Rebecca Ferguson, Ving Rhames, Henry Cavill, Simon Pegg, Vanessa Kirby, oh. Lang Yang, Alec Baldwin, and Wolf. Blitzer. Mission colon impossible dash fallout is rated PG-13 for violence and intense sequences of action and for brief, strong language. Kelly Wan, should anything be added to that list? Improper use of a helicopter <laughs> and some confusion. Mission Impossible Fallout was the number one movie in America when it opened, uh, and it made $61 million. It's actually the best opening for any Mission Impossible. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it is at 97% positive reviews. On Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, it's at 86 out of 100. And, of course, on CinemaScore, it gets what any movie should get. Uh, it gets an A. Kelly Wand, now that all that is done... 
we only had one tag tagline. We're wanting more. What do you have for us? Anopsis. Sweet. Give it to us now. We need All right, it. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say the title and then you tell me if it's what you would have said. Oh right, good. Yeah, I like this new game. Go ahead. Mission Impossibopsis. Falopsis. Alption Populus. Man, I don't I no, I don't think I would have guessed that, and I'm still not even sure what it is. <laughs> what was what were the last two words? Uh the last word was Populus, and the next to last word was Philopsis Alption. Huh, it sounds like it's got a Greek heritage. I don't know, Dave. <laughs> All uh, right, well, whatever that is, let's hear it. I still don't understand those last two words. I, I imagine that will be explained in the course of the synopsis. <laughs> you think so, do you? <laughs> Mission Impossible. Hope... Oh, okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I want to hear what was going to follow that strident name. <laughs> I was going to reference a line about hope from the movie, but let's save that. Uh, I can't say anything because everything's a spoiler, huh? <laughs> Mission Impossibopsis Fallopsis Alption Populus. <laughs> All right, Mission Impossible Fallopsis. Jesus. <laughs> Tom Cruise dreams of that one time he got married during a nuclear war that turned his skull into CG. He awakens with an erection. Mummy? A word's all Belfast. Tom's all... <sighs> Wait, what a dream. I can't believe I remembered verbatim everything that the priest said and what's-her-name's actual wedding vows. Someone knocks on his door. Tom's all, hmm, that could be an assassin. He shuts his eyes, opens the door, and goes, please don't shoot me! And Irish extras all, uh, yes, have sums. He holds out an envelope labeled Tom, parentheses, spy. Tom winks at him and goes, I am the storm. Uh, the wind. <laughs> Behind him, Bing Rames is all, such a long way to go. Cruz is all, also something about unicorns and pudding. Yes, none of that's right, but here. He ends <laughs> in the envelope, walks off screen. Cruz opens the envelope, finds a CD, inserts the news Xbox, puts on his 3D glasses and stares at CD, CG of centrifuges, while the voice is all, Good morning, Mr. Cruz. Uh, nice work in Mission Impossible 5. Uh, trick in the villain by enclosing him in glass walls with your friends. It's classic. <laughs> uh, the uh, plot this time, uh, should you choose to pay attention to it. Um, it's a Norwegian guy named Gary Larp. Uh, Jeez, Gary. He and his friends call themselves the Apostles. <laughs> pretty terrifying uh, term. Uh, the name alone strikes terror. Uh, he stole these three stress balls of plutonium. Um, see, there's two of them. So we told him that you were an arms dealer, arms dealer named Tom Cruised. And he's meeting you in a dark alley in a few minutes. Um, this tape recorder is a Samsung. It catches fire. <laughs> <laughs> Time to put on my disguise. Tom puts on a black shirt, smirks at himself in the mirror, then slips on a Tom Cruise mask over his face and tries to make its fake skin smirk. Some words are all alley. Simon pegs all. Master Luke, I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
Don't worry, Genji. I'm here. I won't let anything happen to you. Things probably fucked, though. But Master Luke, it's possible to be relaxed and unrelaxed at the same time. What is brunch? A van pulls up and some terrorists get out with guns. Tom's all, Genji, relax. I came up with this plan myself. It's literally idiot-proof. Huh, Bing? Uh, Bing? Hmm. Bing? Hmm. I wonder if having him park a mile behind us was dumb. <laughs> Meanwhile, someone giggles and locks Ving inside the van. <laughs> He's all, damn! Hmm. Should I call Tom and tell him I'm stuck in here? No, it was probably him. Tom, you rascal! <laughs> Gary Larps all, as we say in my country, bad there, Mr. Cruz. Did you bring the money? <laughs> what? It's Gary Larp. The only terrorist in the opposite, believe it or not. Uh, my black friend has it. Ving, shoot him now! <laughs> Larp's friend walks up holding a gun to Ving's head. Tom's all, damn. Uh, don't worry, Ving. I got this! Tom shoots Ving three times in the chest while the terrorists <laughs> run away giggling. <laughs> Peg's all, oh. They gone? I peed my pants. Good work, Genji. I barely miss Paula Patton's knobs at all. Tom walks up to Ving, puts pennies on his eyes, and goes, There, a couple Lincolns for you, my black friend. Although, I guess you'll be looking at the tails sides for eternity. Ving farts awake and goes, Tom, good work. You remembered I was wearing Kevlar. Oh, you were? I was aiming at Genji in the plutonium. What'd the plutonium do? I mean... Ah, your shit never works. That's how I made you a field agent. Can't be any worse. They all go to a hospital room where a patient with a beard chortles at them. <laughs> More like mission impossibly stupid force. Tom's all, why you? And tries to claw his eyes out. But Tom's no match for 53-year-old Bing Rames, who hugs him and goes, Tom, baby, easy. Think of the greater good. On the TV behind them, oh Wolf Blitzer's all. And in bad news, we've just had three nuclear explosions. Mm -hmm. uh, one in the Pope's bathroom at the Vatican. Uh, one at Los Alamos. It's a lucky break. And a third one on the surface of the sun. The guy in the hospital bed's all. <laughs> Was I in last movie? <laughs> Why, you son of a... But Ving hugs him down again till Tom's hissing and weeping in his arms. Tom's all, give us the production registration key, bastard. <laughs> Whatever it's called. Production registration. Although if the bomb's already wet off, I guess it doesn't matter. Only if Wolf Blitzer reads my manifesto on Sports Center. Uh, <laughs> and if I'm on Dancing with the Stars next season. Uh, Heidi Montag or Mario Lopez or Betsy DeVos. Why, you Irish or Russian... Tom hisses and spit. Ving's all, shh. Vingy's here, baby. Vingy's here. <laughs> Tom scowls, gets out his phone, dials a number angrily, and goes, hello, self? I mean, uh, White House? <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, terrorists won't cooperate, uh, so we'll knock down these stupid hospital room walls after he says, I mean, uh, he up hurriedly, the points of the TV. Look, TV! <laughs> <laughs> Wolf Blitzer's all. Oh, I've just been handed something and asked to read it in its entirety. 
my butt is stupid. Owata goose I am. Um, Kristen Stewart is our Brando. <laughs> hey, come on. Dingus, you're a terrorist. That was the I win. We needed. I win. Yeah. Or is, or is this podcast real? Dingus, the world's going to fall. Uh, baby want poo-poo. Um, terrorism is cool. Uh, Tom Cruise is lame. Uh, I guess the Pope ate at Goggins Tacos. <laughs> oh, God. The terrorist chuckles and goes, <laughs> Yeah, win. Product key is one, 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 uh, hyphen, uh, one, 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 hyphen, one, 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 one. One, one, hyphen, happy face, trademark symbol, hyphen, Tom grins, got it. All the walls topple over loudly, injuring some PAs. The studio <laughs> audience starts clapping. The terrorist is all, what the, is my morphine drip even real? <laughs> Wolf Blitzer walks up, tearing off a mask to reveal that he's really Sean Hannity. Tom Cruise is all, tough break, LARP. You see, all this is still my dream, except for the wedding. Uh, that was real. Uh, yeah, Genji was wearing a Monaghan mask. Peg's all, wait, so we're not married? The terrorist is all, I, I feel like I've seen this bit before. Uh, isn't this similar to climax of last movie a little bit? Eisenberg walks up and goes, and at least one of the now you see me's. Trump walks up. Hey, Cruz, why'd you just call me and say he won't cooperate? Boy, I know that feeling. Sometimes you have to smother Melanie or Ivanka with a pillow for hours just to get him to stop screaming. Things all. Good work, Tom. Making this doped up Irishman think you were genuinely upset when he made fun of our franchise name. Very convincing. Your best acting since American made. Underrated. Uh, yeah, I was acting. Uh, our franchise name's dumb. Obviously, the missions are possible. Just using CG. Uh, is it CG IMF? He shrugs at us. Trump points at Wolf Blitzer and goes, Fake news! <laughs> the music's all... <laughs> Under a CG fuse, we see some shots of Tom running from explosions, and then the explosions running from Tom. Eventually, on an airport runway... Alec Baldwin's all. Bad news, Cruz. You losing the plutonium wasn't a dream, unless this is also a dream. Angela Bassett walks up. I'm a black woman in the Trump administration. What do you think? Since Cruz here royally <laughs> fucked the pooch in Belfast as usual, this time we're assigning him the constant companionship of my best agent. Gentlemen, meet Superman's pants, Beardman. <laughs> is that his name? I don't know. <laughs> no, I like that wow. as his name. First name Superman, middle name Pants. Last name Beardman. Beardman. <laughs> Henry Cavill walks up. <laughs> I know his the actor's name. <laughs> Tom sticks out his hand. Hello, my character's name in these is Ethan Hunt. Uh, it was originally Mike, but they changed it because when people said that fast, it sounded like Cavill's all, oh, mummy, you sure showed Brendan Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
yeah, speaking of Brandon's, uh, Brandon Routh called to say, ha ha, Martha. <laughs> Lost to Affleck? Oh. oh, good one. Hey, what's your favorite Chinese food? Heard you really like the N rice. Oh, oh. Hey, by the way, you're my second favorite twin in social network. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you had me at hello. Oh, uh, well, you were great as John Carter and the werewolf in Twilight. Oh, hold on, bro. I think I got to sneeze. Uh, uh, Valkyrie. Uh. Wow. Hey, did playing second banana to Tonto typecast you at all? Oh. Hey, you know what? If I ranked all my favorite samurai from first to last, guess where you'd be, bitch? <laughs> Oh, by the way, I loved you in Fifty Shades. And as Sandra Bullock's ex in Ocean's 8 and the guy Vin may disrobe in Furious 6, you're great. Oh, yeah. Uh, have fun on Xenu with your volcanoes. Just remember when Volta gets on top, keep your eyes wide shut. <laughs> Jesus, how bad is your acting have to be to kill Kubrick? Yeah, okay. Thank you, British Jay Leno. Yeah, okay, cold trickle. Yeah, okay, uh, Jay Courtney, minus the charisma. Oh, uh, okay, Oprah's couch. Uh, by the way, Groundhog Day really needed mech suits. Genius, bro. Oh, hey, you know what's genius? Mitt Romney is Superman. Oh, okay. Hey, grats on your Rain Man Oscar. Oh, wait, I must be thinking of Vanilla Sky. Oh, uh, by the way, grats on your box office smash. Oh, wait, you don't have any. Oh, oh wait, sorry, you were in the Avengers with Uma Thurman. Oh, bro, you were so good fighting the devil in Willow. You were great with Jamie Lee Curtis in Fish Called Wanda. Facets all. That's it. From now on, you two motherfuckers is partners. <laughs> Pegs all. Speaking of Avengers, where is Renner? Iron Man, Matt Damon, and the stars of Senior Trip Roll. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, hey, where is he? Sandra Bullock holds up a gray wad twisted on her finger. Renner. Rudd's all. Yeah, house arrest? Um, For not being in Civil War. Did we forget to mention that? Sorry, when Elangelo Lily's talking. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Think us hates. Bassett's all. Camel, cruise, you two parachute into Paris in 10 minutes. Good luck. <laughs> Later on a plane. Okay, cruise, try to keep up with me. <clears throat> Just pretend I'm Shelley Long and losing it. Yeah, okay, Superman from Uncle. <laughs> Trying to make a tentpole movie franchise based on a 1960s spy show? <laughs> Idiot. Cavill unplugs Tom Cruise's oxygen, kicks him in the groin, giggles, and dives out. Result. What the? Why are you? Why am I hard? I mean... Cruise jumps out of the plane. On his way down, he notices Cavill's fallen asleep, so he shakes him awake. Cavill unplugs his air and kicks him again. Cruise parachutes onto a statue of Sauron's hand. Then stares down through glass panes at a bunch of dancing people in a nightclub. He's all, hmm. Can we just use our masks to get past the doorman? Why'd we have to jump out of a plane? Who did punch up on this, Tyrese? Steve <laughs> 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 marinated. <laughs>
Cavill unplugs Cruz's oxygen tube again and goes, same old Cruzy. He stares at Cruz for a minute. Cruz is all, eh, now what are you doing? <laughs> Judging you. <laughs> By the way, uh, you were great in Quest for Peace. Uh, yeah, who knew you could direct? Later in some house music. Tom, it's me. What are you doing here? <laughs> Mission Impossible's Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> I thought you were getting out of the game. <laughs> me contract with MI6 said I had to do MI6 first. <laughs> Sexy Rebecca Ferguson's voice. MI6? That's the name of this movie. Hang on, I gotta take a crap. He goes into the restroom, then stares at his hands and goes, You two guys are filthy. I better wash you first before I go into the stall there and undo my pants and then defecate. He goes over to the sink and starts washing his hands. He looks over and notices Henry Cavill is also washing his hands. Two sinks down. Cruz winks at him. Cavill rolls his eyes. An Asian man walks over, stands between them, and starts washing his hands. They all wash their hands together, uh, side by side, and silent for a couple minutes. Tom's all, uh, excuse me, would you mind passing the soap? Suddenly the feisty Asian attacks both of them. I mean Asian. The feisty Asian. <laughs> feisty Asian. Sorry, that was Ferguson still. They're not very good, but eventually the Asian guy falls asleep. Suddenly they hear giggling, so they drag the Asian guy into a stall. As they close the door, Tom stupidly drops his gun without noticing, and it falls into another stall, going off as it strikes the tiles and shooting him in the leg. Tom's off. Did you hear something? Cavill's off. Oh, when the lights came up after Rock of Ages? Oh, just sobs of relief. <laughs> They dunk the Asian guy's head in the toilet and try and get him to take a selfie with them on Instagram while a gang of gay Frenchmen walk in chuckling. <laughs> Damn that Tyrese. One's all, oh, look, there's a gun in this stall. Blood and chip plaster everywhere. And three men in this stall. Yoo-hoo, hello. <laughs> Elderberries. We'd like to join too. Oh. <laughs> Uh, we're all going stinky in here. Um, uh, please go away. Okay? Thank you. Spy things. Suddenly, Rebecca Ferguson comes in, shoots out all the mirrors, and walks out. Tom's all, uh, uh, that was from my butt. Please don't look in here. Don't look under or over. Please don't look. Thank you. Eventually, and somewhat implausibly, the French guys leave without trying to jump up or look under the door to see what's going on. Later, Tom and Justice League's Henry Cavill. <laughs> How was your bowel movement with the Asian gentleman? I mean the Asian gentleman. It was going fine till Batman here flushed our target out to sea. Ugh, now what? Something, something, plutonium blonde lady. Don't worry, I'll make it work. Uh, using all the right moves? Dude, wow. by the way, I loved your father's work at the Bay of Pigs. 
later in a hotel room. <laughs> Too soon. Since my hair is dyed blonde and I have never married, my name in this is the White Widow. <laughs> and I'm a arms dealer, Gary Larp. Yeah. I think I'm Irish or Russian. Uh, uh, I hate women and children. Uh, so you can trust me. You're a woman, right? Betty fell. Tomorrow's there is a prisoner transfer car chase like in Dark Knight. I need you to knock a van into some water like in Inception. Then drive around while a British woman on motorcycle shoots poorly at you. I hope you don't mind uh, killing cops. Cavils all. <laughs> Excuse my friend Martha there. Uh, she has a deviated septum uh, from fighting the evil dead into cancellation. Uh, yes, I eat cops for breakfast. Not how you gained all that Tropic Thunder weight. Shut up, Cavil. <laughs> Ow, stop touching my oxygen tube. Very well. I'm convinced that you are both arms dealers, Tom Cruise. I'm also aroused by your lack of compunction and range. I am like the Hermione Corfield character in The Return of Xander Cage that found Vin Diesel repulsive. She spoke for all of us. Later, in a convolution room. <laughs> Bassett, it's me, Cavill. I don't know why I'm whispering, but, excuse me, it's Cavill. Uh, Henry, Henry Cavill. Hey, I think Tom's a traitor. Like we all thought he was in one and four. <laughs> Half the movies. This time I think it's for real. Also, I think he's Gary Larp. And Simon Pegg is uh, Vikander. <laughs> Bassett's all. Hmm. The last part would explain the beard. You have any proof? No. Okay, I'll act suspicious till the next scene where I'm on a phone screen. Meanwhile, a bunch of stuff with Tom in a car and some vans happens. <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson tries to shoot him from a motorcycle, but Tom tricks her by running over her. <laughs> As Tom parks the car with LARP in it, Suddenly, some French cops, uh, gendarmes, are all, Hey, look, it's Tom Cruise! <laughs> they all pull out guns and start shooting each other. Tom screams and runs off, then trips and falls into a hole. He lands in a rubber dinghy with Simon Pegg and Ving Rames. They drive off down a sewer. Master Luke, I had a hunch you'd be dropping in. <laughs> Behind them, the cops stick their heads down the hole and watch them drive off. <laughs> One's all, uh, should we shoot at him or jump in? Looks like pretty shallow water. Um, <laughs> he did a lot of damage. Wait, don't we know where their boat's going? Why are we suddenly giving up completely because of some cave? What is this, Last Jedi? <laughs> His boss is all, Mondo! In the sewer, Peg's all, well, Master Luke, maybe none of my gadgets ever work, but at least I know how to steer rubber boats someplace helpful. Suddenly, some doors inexplicably bang open and a French lady cop staring at them. <laughs> Tom's all, don't worry, Genji, I got this. 
Parlez-vous espagnol? It's cool, it's cool. Je ne sais quoi, garçon. Andalay, pluribus. Such a long way to go. Shut up, thing. I got it. A gun goes off. The lady cops all. And goes down, shot in the chest. Simon pegs all. Sorry, sorry. A bunch of guys on motorcycles ride up. One's all. Hey, we're doctors. Anyway, we can help. Tom shoots all of them. Then cradles the lady cop and goes, don't worry, I'm here. By the way, uh, there's a falafel place here in Paris. I can't remember the name of. Please, your knee is crushing my wound. Eventually, they leave her to die and go to meet Alec Baldwin in his basement. (laughs) Baldwin's all. Good work, Cruz. The French police are baffled and dead. Trump's base static. By the way, the White Widow's character is not a traitor. She was kidding before. <laughs> On a laptop screen, Bassett's all, my character's still here, remotely. <laughs> what a part. No one else could have done this. Cruz is all, well, as you can see, I have Gary Larp here tied to this chair from the uh, Dark Knight van. Uh, Genji, here, you wear this Gary Larp mask. Cavill, here, you stay here and watch the real Gary Larp while we all go off screen and uh, do some Mission Impossible stuff. (laughs) Cruz tiptoes loudly away. Cavill rolls his eyes, crosses them, then shuts someone's laptop, unties Larp, and goes, by the way, I'm a traitor. I'm the real Gary Larp's friend, Jerry Larp. Stupid Cruz. Them and all their stupid, implausible... uh, his face falls, twists. Oh, God. He pulls the Gary Lart mask off Simon Pegg in the chair, then scowls and pulls off his own Henry Cavill mask to reveal that he's Simon Pegg, then pulls off the Simon Pegg mask on the guy in the chair to reveal the real Henry Cavill beneath, tied to the chair already. The tied-up Cavill's all, well played. Tom walks back on screen, pulling off a Tom Cruise mask to reveal his skull. He boinks Cavill on the nose and goes. <laughs> he triumphantly boinks Cavill on the nose and goes, Looks like you've just been born on the 4th of July. <laughs> on her TV screen, Bassett's all, ah, You're all under arrest for being confusing, but don't worry, I only sent my most trustworthy people over there to handcuff you. A gunman wearing an Angela Bassett mask is all. By the way, we're all traitors. A gun goes off, shooting Baldwin in the chest. Peg's all, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Tom's all, Alec, don't worry, I'm here. You've only been shot in the heart. Baldwin tries to cough, then goes, Tom, chase Superman to an elevator. Tom runs all over Paris while Peg looks at his iPad and says shit like, Oops, sorry, sorry, I was looking at my ant farm. I meant take a left at the window, then run off screen for two miles, then trip over the flower pot. A few minutes later, Henry Cavill looks down at the floor of his elevator to see Tom Cruise trying to simultaneously dangle and point a gun at him. <laughs> He shakes his head. All out of Tom Cruise jokes. Tom's, eh, you're under arrest for uh, riding an elevator. Oh, wait, you can't kill me because something plot element reason. Uh, 
I guess chasing you was a waste of screen time. <laughs> An expensive second unit location shoot footage. Cavill's all. Didn't you guys used to have an Asian chick? Speaking of which, he tricks Tom by flying to Asia. Later, by some Asian <laughs> pants. <laughs> what the? Mission Impossible 3 and the end of 4 is Michelle Monaghan? Hey! What? Hey, remember when Philip Seymour Hoffman shot that thing at my nose? Yeah, it's still up there. Uh, that's why my voice sounds a bit reedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's in there. Tom, this is my bearded husband, Chucky. I think he's a fortune teller or croupier. My golf. <laughs> Mr. Cruz, I loved you as Wonka in the remake. Also, Ides of March is my favorite film. I'll walk off screen so you two can catch up. Monahan, I'm I'm sorry I married you. I promised myself no more weddings to women I'm not attracted to. But you know how I am with rules and words. <laughs> oh, Tom, are you kidding? I'm so happy you're gone. My new husband has a beard. He might be a missionary, actually, although he likes doggy style. But only if I'm back. Ving runs up farting. Tom, it's me, Ving. Ving Rames. Pants Beardman just took off in a helicopter caressing the MacGuffin to go fly around some mountains. One of the warheads is in the cafeteria. There's another one in a dark room full of boxes. Tracy Morgan. <laughs> it's not racist if I'm dumb. <laughs> Pegs all. I'll start looking for rooms without lights inside them. He's like the puffin' stuff boy. Good work, Genji. And black character, I guess. Uh, I'll go jump onto the cable from that other helicopter and hope the guys flying it don't notice the sat- sudden massive jolt of extra weight. Bye! Ving and Monaghan watch fondly as he goes and gets his ankle caught in the helicopter cable and is dragged up foot-first off-screen by the helicopter, screaming and crying. Monaghan's all. That's how he makes love. Ving's all. I know. They open the war and stare at a jumble of wires. Monaghan takes out her scalpel and starts slashing at them. Sparks shower. The bomb starts blinking red lights and melting. Things all, oh, uh, yeah, I'll tell you which wires to cut. <laughs> Go stand over there. Jesus. <laughs> Fuck. Meanwhile, Tom tricks the cable by climbing it, then gets into the helicopter and tricks the gunman aboard by murdering them. Then he stares at the dashboard. Let's see. Guitar, radar, radar blade. Radar blade. Radar blade. Radar blade. Oh. So that's how blade spelled. Hmm. I guess Nicole was right. Now to fly a Batman's helicopter and ask him to please land and hand me that detonator. Suddenly, the Jedi ghost of Rose Tico farts into being beside him in the cockpit. She waves her hands in Tom's face and goes, Run into the ones you love! (laughs) Really? (laughs) I just 
think it would have been a cool cross promotion. Whatever, whatever movie studios, billionaires. Tom's off. Hmm, she has a black friend too. On Superman's copter, a computer's off. Warning: Tom Cruise on other copter detected. Damn it! I guess the smart thing for me to do would just be toss the detonator out the window here, since. Uh... But I think I'll hang on to it and just keep looking handsome. Mike off. Meanwhile, at the tent camp, a cafeteria worker comes to a room to find Peg opening and crying and screaming and throwing boxes around. The extras all. Oh, you looking for the warhead? Here, look, it's in this first uh, suitcase you opened ten minutes ago. See? Look, my specialty's gadgets, okay? Um, well, it is a gadget, so it's a warhead. Um, by the way, I'm a traitor. He starts punching Peg. Peg's all, ow! I'm a field agent! Ow, I trained for this! Oh! <laughs> Suddenly, Rebecca Ferguson comes in and goes, Don't worry, Genji! Our characters know each other, apparently! <laughs> She tries to fight the extra, but mostly loses. Chuckling, the guy looks over to dispatch Peg, only to find Peg has accidentally hung himself and is slowly choking to death. (laughs) The extra. (laughs) Meanwhile, hanging from a cliff on a grappling cable, staring up at Cruz's butt, cavils all. Well, well, mission imbecile. It appears I have the low ground. I guess you could say uh, my detonator fell out of the helicopter uh, when you crashed into it. So, good work there. Well, I didn't mean to. I was aiming at the cliff. Shut up, Maverick. By the way, great reboot idea. Uh, I'm sure playing volleyball with Kilmer is going to be a real hoot now. Now, as I see it, you have only two options. One, unhook that hook there and send me plunging to my death. Uh, Two. Wah! (laughs) Tom hasn't actually touched the hook yet, but he finally does, and Cavill dies after saying wah again. Then Tom looks up at the 15 feet of sheer rock that he has to scale in the next two seconds to reach the detonator, implausibly resting on the cliff's brink. Back in the Warhead camp, things all. Okay, Monahan, full disclosure, I don't really know anything about defusing bombs, so we have only five seconds to live. But I've never been with a woman before, so. Meanwhile, in the newsroom, the extra gets bored and leaves, so Ferguson lets Peg down from the Listen, Genji, we only have five seconds to live, and I've never been with a woman before, so. <laughs> There's a couple minutes of silence. <laughs> Monahan's all. That sucks. We didn't blow up. Fuck. Still hanging from the cliffside, but now somehow holding the detonator. <laughs> Still hanging from the cliffside. But now holding the detonator, Tom grins at it. Don't worry, audience. I climbed up and hit the button off screen. 
And then I climb back down here also off screen. Uh, for some reason. He grins as another helicopter full of Cavill's gunmen flies closer to pick him up and help him with medical care. Later in a hospital, everybody crowds around Tom's bed to ogle him. Tom's covered head to toe in bandages due to the severe injuries that he sustained from pushing the detonator button. So he looks like a mummy again. On a tidy, tidy TV screen, Bassett's all, Well, another fiasco. You're all fired and under arrest. They all laugh affectionately and turn it off. Rebecca Ferguson deals as a Buckingham Palace admiral with one of those big flat fur. <laughs> Draws his sword and goes, I now pronounce you Sir Ferguson. <laughs> Ferguson's all, ow, you're not supposed to use the shop in. Ow, fucker. <laughs> Fing leans by Tom's bed, pats him on the face and goes, I finally decided to write my pop song. <laughs> Monahan's husband comes in holding a nurse's hand and goes, and I've taken a second wife. <laughs> Cavill comes in and goes, and I become good and also survived. <laughs> like the blue lady in uh, Guardians. Uh, yeah. So now I'm in charge of handing out defective gadgets. <laughs> Yay. He unhooks Tom's IV drip. Everybody laughs affectionately. Genji's all, by the way, I'm the traitor. That's the reason none of my gadgets work. <laughs> Everybody's all, oh, Genji. Tom winces from his bandages and goes, guys, please uh, don't make me fart. I could die. Easy. Watch the ribs there. I just sorted some extra barbecue sauce. The end. You know, however it goes. Oh, Kelly, you slay me. That was something else. All right. Oh, gee. I want to go first because, Kelly, I want to say, um, I'm, that that was delightful, and I I previously was not super into this movie. It's fine, but uh, you just made me enjoy myself retroactively in the movie oh. that much more. See, uh, it's like you're watching again, but with the real dialogue. But yeah, so here's my over and under, and I, I this was fine. Like I I would, I would consider this a minor Mission Impossible. It's going to be one that years from now I'll, I'll think. What's the one where he flies the helicopter? Is that the one where uh, he climbs the skyscraper? Oh, actually, I, I do think that's a good one. Here's my deal, though. I love that one. I, well, I, I do too. I, I think a mission. I think a Mission Impossible needs a good villain to counter Tom Cruise's intensity. And when it doesn't have that, it's just set pieces. Like I couldn't tell you. I find it ironic that I think my favorite Mission Impossible is the one that was directed by the least capable director. Uh, the the J.J. Abrams one because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, oh, that's his finest hour, J.J. Abrams. And hour. I I just feel that this one is just gonna is kind of a slurry with the rest of them, and I don't necessarily mean that as a complaint because they are big, bombastic, exciting, implausible, theatrical slurries of action sequences, and so that's fine. So what I'm gonna do with my over and under is uh, movies that try to impress me with helicopter shenanigans. Uh, and I'm 
these aren't necessarily related. That one of these is a not very good movie, and one of them is a great movie. Uh, in the first one, that's not very good. I wasn't the least bit impressed with the helicopter shenanigans. In the movie that's really good, I loved the helicopter shenanigan, and this is going to be somewhere in the middle. I was fine with this. The whole helicopter bit, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I was fine with it. Okay. My under is uh, Spectre, which uh, is not a very Ugh. good movie and has really just uninspired helicopter shenanigans that are supposed to be exciting and are just ridiculous. My over is uh, one of the rare times, because so much stuff gets done with helicopters, and one of the rare times I've seen in a movie, whoa, that is awesome, I've never seen that in another movie, is the bit with Harold Perrineau at the end of 28 Days Later, where he uses the helicopter blades to mow down a bunch of zombies. So there's a, a wide bracket over and under That's of movies. Weeks, I think. Uh, you're right, 28 weeks later. Very good, Kelly Wand. Uh, this is my over and under movies that try to impress me with helicopter shenanigans. Dingus! A movie that's no better Capricorn than... No one? Oh, uh, that would be in the middle. Like, 28 Days Later is super good. Like, no, that's not as good as, as uh, 28 Weeks Later. Weeks. The Capricorn one, that's just the helicopters kind of look cool and they're no, shot well enough by Peter Hine. Yeah. So, Dingus, what's a movie that's not quite as good as this? A movie that's better? And what did you think? All right. I bracketed this fairly closely. And um, I went with moments... And these are things that I took during uh, during the movie in my notes... Uh, because there were car chase moments. So, you know, you're talking about helicopter moments, and I'll have something to say about that now, uh, later on. It, hopefully we'll get to that, because we have a couple listeners who wrote in and talked about helicopters as well. Um, uh, th- these are car chase moments that really, really all of a sudden made me think of another movie. Um, and I, I, I really loved some of the car chase stuff. I, I like most of the car chase stuff in these movies. M- much of it works, especially in the last couple of movies. That uh, one of our listeners calls My this a, a three movie arc, and I'll have to uh, I'll have to look up which uh, listener says that. Oh, I think it's Andrew Neller who says that. Um, but anyway, the the under and this is closely bracketed uh, would be the movie Ronin. Um, and it's not just because it's a car chase movie. It's also like an aging action star, except uh, Robert De Niro plays it tired and Tom Cruise refuses to play it tired. Uh, he, he might play it hurt. He might play it uh, beaten. He might play it um, in, a, in a different way than he played the first movie, but he never plays it as if he's tired or weary. He, he no. might play it as if uh, – you know, when Rebecca Ferguson says, you should have walked away with me, like she said in Rogue Nation, walk away with me. Um, y- you can get a glimmer of that sense of, yeah, I'm, maybe I'll do that. Uh, and certainly when they were considering handing the franchise over to Jeremy Renner for a minute or two, um, you got the sense that Tom Cruise was, was ready to move on to other things. Uh, but you never get a sense that the Ethan Hunt character is tired but the the whatever Robert De Niro's character is in Ronan, you get the sense that he's that he's he's been beaten down by life, uh, and I really like that sense in that movie. I like I like the team that he assembles. I like the way that they move. I like the way that those car chases work. So Ronan is just tightly bracketed under this, and over this, uh, I would just slightly put Born Supremacy, um, because I really loved Born Supremacy. I love the 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 car stuff in that, especially the against the traffic stuff. Um, and also, I, I mean, I love the series, uh, but I would put this 
I guess just barely under that because I, I really did I really did love this thing and I didn't think I was gonna love it in the first sequence um, because it was so dark and, and I'll get I'll get to that a little bit later but well it's gonna be darker they were gonna kill off Renner did you know that and then he turned it down but they're gonna have him lose a team member well I'm not just I'm not just talking about thematic darkness. I'm you also talking about like vi- visual Why? darkness. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was thematically dark in a way that, uh, if you watch Rogue Nation in the in the intro to that, it's so much different than the way that this movie intros. Uh, and I and I'm really interested yeah. in the two ways that the the series does those intros. And I would like to talk about that a little bit later. But uh, but that's all. Uh, we can move on to Kelly now. Uh, well, the reason I really like this movie and like this series is kind of expands on something Ding has said, which is Ethan Hunt has become one of my favorite movie characters, and he's never tired, but he's he's constantly irritated. And the more irritated he gets, the more I laugh, and he's just constantly engulfed in other people's dumbness. And he's not an irritable guy. He's just super tenacious living in an irritating world. So I kind of relate to the character, only on that level. But instead of whinging about how nothing works, he just assumes it doesn't. He gets out with it. He gets his shit done. Um, and I, I, I think I was worried that he wasn't going to be like that anymore because um, he was like that in all of them except my overs Mission Possible 4. I think the Brad Bird one's maybe my favorite, but I really love 3 too. I really, really like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, the only weak link in the franchise for me is the second one, so that's my under – but these kind of blur together for me. Like, who did the second one? Brian De Palma's the first one. Oh, is it John, uh, John Woo? Woo. That's right. John Woo, yeah. Man, I couldn't there's tell Dove, you the first Dove, thing about the second there's one. There's Dubs Galore yeah. in the second one. That's okay. the one with. Um, what'd you say? Sandy Newton's a burglar in it, and he's and he's he gives a speech to her like, and you're supposed to be the burglar with the without a heart when she injects herself with the bio plague. He says some dumb shit. It's really dumb. It's bad. Uh, but there's a good Philip Seymour Hoffman is the third one because I guess I yeah. would have assumed that. Okay, right. That's another over. They're all overs except for two. Um, but I, Mission I, Impossible I thought... Two has has the, his the villain is Dugray Scott, which is yeah, terrifying. yeah. Although there, he's and also the thing that bugs me about that one, it's the only one uh, where I feel like the the mission's not impossible enough. <laughs> Including at the beginning, there's no at the beginning he's just climbing a cliff. That's not an impossible mission. Fuck What's me. funny is that it has one of my favorite quotes in the entire series, said by Anthony Hopkins, where it's basically like, "That's why this is not mission and mission difficult." <laughs> I like it when he goes, uh, "You're a woman, lie to a man and have sex with him or something." That line's good too. Is he? Is his character still alive, or is he just Alec Baldwin now? Whatever. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I didn't think this was a huge drop off from Rogue Nation. Although Rogue Nation has more epic set pieces, and this has a lot of. This is maybe a little too crowded with walk-ons, so I can see where Tom would, would get fidgety, because you got Monahan, and it's just everybody's come back again. I, I'm I, a little wasted. I, I that was a that was a big problem for me. Is that a lot of what brought the last one to life for me was Rebecca Ferguson. She was a right. real revelation. It's they about her. Yeah. They let her do really cool things and, and and you're right, she was one of the main characters and I feel like she just kind of walked on a couple of times. I felt like they did nothing interesting with her. I love Vanessa Kirby from another movie I've seen. I didn't feel like they did anything interesting with her. She was just kind of a throw one, a throwaway. I love Sean Harris 
and he was a prop, basically. I was a little disappointed with that. I don't care that much about Alec Baldwin. He's fine, but I feel that when they killed him, like that, I didn't. That didn't really affect me. I think I was supposed to care yeah. more about that than I really did. No. I wasn't as invested in the whole connection to Michelle Monaghan, and I really didn't need a scene with Ving Rhames sitting down with Rebecca Ferguson, giving the oh. little oh emo, he's had his heart broken. Please be gentle uh, with him. Talk that sort of stuff really bugged me. But yeah, as an action movie, I'm fine with it, and I'm not saying I didn't like it. It's just the character it's stuff. No Rogue Nation. The character stuff that has made the other ones work for me, whether it's Philip Seymour Hoffman in three or Rebecca Ferguson as a revelation in the last one, there was no equivalent to that for me here. I liked Cavill, but it bugs me that oh, you well, there don't you go. know. Yeah. yeah. You didn't like it, but I was just one last Ferguson thing. Like, it's really annoying to me that he and Ferguson haven't had sex. Like, that's annoying. That just seems weird. Like, they're obviously like I that never, would make I, the movie better. I never would have and known that. That's one of the things we talked about at the end of Rogue Nation. How much, how delightful it was that they didn't kiss. Yeah, but now they're talking like they should. Well, that, they totally set this up as if they're like boyfriend and girlfriend. He needs to right. go over Monaghan so he can really love Rebecca Ferguson. I mean, all that was kind of a given, and I, I'm not sure that they really established it or or, or resolved it. Yeah. So that's dumb. So let, yes. then let's talk about Cavill because I think Cavill is supposed to be the Rebecca Ferguson. Like he's the big addition, well. <laughs> and his character, as far as the twist and the reveals about him, I think Cavill's he's not supposed, supposed to like him. Well, I think he's supposed to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting as an interesting character who who's a turncoat and he's the big reveal that he's Gary Lark. Larp. Uh, I think right or no. Okay. I don't know. Well, Ferguson was more, you were supposed to like her and you're supposed to be interested in her, want to know more about her. But Cabell, I thought the way he's instantly kind of abusing Cruz, like you just like, ah, either they're going to bond or Cruz is going to like have to save him. Like it's going to fall to one of these established and it goes down a a fairly traditional route, but I don't think you're supposed to be interested in him the way you are in Ferguson. I think that's, what's kind of dumb about the movie is like the twists are kind of irrelevant. Well, I'm sort of mentioning as far as like a new addition, as far as like what's different. New cast member. What, yeah, like as far as the, the, the characters, what's supposed to make this one stand out. And I do believe they're counting on Henry Cavill a lot in, in this one. Yeah. Um, but to, I think he does what he's supposed to, which is just okay. be annoying and and to be to make Cruz fight harder and like be be more irritated. That's the thing. If if as long as as Tom Cruise is irritated in these movies, I'm somehow forgiving everything around it because they've remembered the one thing I need to, to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> he's okay. so like fuck. Why are you? It's just I got to run over here because Genji's an idiot. I got to jump through windows like every all the action sequences are because of something dumb's happening or something else breaking or someone else being a traitor. It's it's really great. So I love that. I love the just it's, it's always stacked against him. It's that makes it good. And I don't think there's any other like James Bond. It's not like that. You don't get the sense that James Bond is, James Bond doesn't seem to give a shit. And he just assumes things are going to work out for him. Tom Cruise seems to feel like he could die. But he's going to try anyway and just happens to not die. He doesn't care about his life, though. I feel like James Bond would be bummed if he died. <laughs> anyway, what? Well, the thing is, how did the cast work for you? Before we talk about the, the action and the set pieces. Uh... I'm a Cavill apologist. Well, okay. just, just focusing on Henry Cavill, I thought he was I thought he was really good at this. Uh, I liked that that tough, like, Delta kind of thing that he was doing. Yeah. Um, he Sandcastle. had a sense of uh, of 
um, I'm 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 here to get things done. Are you? And that, that there, he has a couple of great moments where it's just this sly comedy that he that he that he sneaks yeah. in. Like, like people really fall for this shit. I mean, little little things like that. And he doesn't have to overdo it. I don't think he ever overdoes anything. He's got a weird mustache and beard combination yeah. going on. And the fighting and that fight in the bathroom. He's when he's prepping for that fight. You know, he's he looks like a boxer getting ready to fight. Um, and I really liked him. I mean, he did remind me, and, and Kelly kind of. Uh, evoked this in his opsis, he did remind me of um, of Army Hammer in Free Fire. He because I I, con- I guess I confused yeah. the two of them. And Kelly's joke about that is apt, uh, but I I was kind of like, wow, he really reminds me of Army Hammer. Uh, I really liked him. Our, our listeners were really divided about Henry. Really? Like for, yeah. For instance, Arthur As Jim we and are. Kelly. Really, really liked him a lot. He, he said, you know, his acting has always been polarized, but I thought he stepped it up here and was an asset to the movie. Uh, but a lot of people really hated the way, uh, really disliked the way that the movie tipped its hand as far as the reveal is concerned. But that's another story that's not about the cast. Um, I thought Henry Cavill did a, did a fine job. I thought he was funny. And I thought one of the great things about this movie is the way that Tom Cruise – the, you know, there's there's a certain action hero trope where they they get to do like uh, a zinger comedic line and then pow they win. Uh, well, Tom Cruise kept trying to do those lines and they fizzled every time. Uh, especially like there was a couple of lines during the helicopter chase where he's like, it, like he see he calls him a prick and then and whatever he's trying to do doesn't work and he's like, uh. Uh, like a lot of. A lot of his little like zinger one-liners just didn't work, and Henry Cavill seemed to be on the other end of those, just sort of like, like, you know, licking his fingers and putting out the fuse on those. Um, and I liked, I like, yeah, I know, I liked Henry Cavill's role in this, and I and I liked the way he played it. These fish have manners. It was like that kind of Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise, right? Except Jay Moore is now Henry Cavill. So I liked Henry Cavill. Tom, you didn't like Alec Baldwin? No, I, I didn't care that he died. I mean, I, I think he's fine, and oh. you know, having him be the manager. And I, I think they did a cool thing with him in the last one, where you know, yeah, I mean, he's fine, but he's just kind of the fixture as the police chief who the who the detective has to report to. He's that kind of character. He's kind of redundant with Angela Bassett, really. Um, well, I no, wouldn't have cared if Nick Ramos or Simon Pegg had died. That's the thing. That's well, right, exactly. That that's like I, I inadvertently saw a headline about the the role of death in the Mission Impossible movies shortly after the release of this. So I was like, oh, they're going to kill someone, aren't they? Yeah. So as I was watching it, I I really did think it was going to be someone who I would care about, and I was even worried it would be Rebecca Ferguson for a little bit. But it was uh, just, I, I mean, the easiest way to do that is to kill Alec Baldwin, and I just thought that that was a it kind of weaseled out of any sort of real emotional yeah. impact. Uh, so it's not that I don't like him, Dingus. It's just that I won't particularly miss him. He didn't. He didn't. Boy, I, I like sure will part. because I love the arc of him from Rogue Nation to this. Mm-hmm. That that whole thing where he's he shuts down the IMF and then he he becomes a, the secretary of the IMF is is a really cool thing that happens in Rogue Nation and then he carries it through here and then he has this. I mean, he's just got such a great comedic balance. I think. Where you know where he says I can see why you guys love this stuff so much, um, and Brian Becker, who's a, a first-time listener, I, I mean a, a long-time listener, first-time caller, is the kind of thing. Um, Brian Becker says that he really liked that Alec Baldwin got to throw a few good punches in there. 
Um, I, I didn't, I, I thought those punches were a little weird, but I respect totally what Brian's talking about. And I was really moved when he died because I like seeing Alec Baldwin and I like that he was a part of this, this force in, in that, in the fact that he was at least a part of the bureaucracy who genuinely came to believe in them through watching it happen, especially in rogue nation where he saw it happen before his eyes and why it works. Um, it was cool. I mean, it, it it was sort of that opening of Rogue Nation is to the core of the whole Captain America versus Iron Man thing of oversight. Um, but I was really moved when Alec Baldwin died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what did you think of uh, – what did you guys think of Vanessa Kirby? Did, had you seen her before? <laughs> uh, it's a thankless role. She's not in it much. She doesn't do anything. It's like thing is, it's like Brian Becker talking about the punches that, that Alec Baldwin has. Like when she pulls out the knife, and the butterfly knife, and stabs someone, I was like, oh, yeah. she's going to be a badass. And no, it's just like right. everybody has to be yeah. given a punch. Like Alec yeah. Baldwin has to have a fight scene. Yeah. Vanessa Kirby yeah. has to have a fight scene. Everybody gets to do a little bit of stunt work because that's what we're here to do. Like that Ocean's was the feeling eight. I got. Yeah, kind of, Kelly Wan, kind of. Um, but well, I really, what should I have seen her in, Tom? She's in some Netflix BBC-ish kind of thing, or she plays a queen or something. I've never, I haven't seen her in that, but I saw her in a, a low-budget indie action movie called Kill Command about a bunch of soldiers who uh, get co-opted by uh, an evil AI, and it's going to murder them. And she plays uh, kind of the Ripley in the mission, uh, the woman who has to accompany them, but you really you, she's a she's a corporate cyber spy, and she's got these cool implants that makes her eyes light up, and she can manipulate the robots. And uh, So she's just in this little action movie I saw called Kill Command, and she's delightful. The whole cast in that I love. And she's delightful in that, so I was super excited to see her in this. Uh, and, you know, she's just kind of, you know, if you blink and you miss her, like they don't do much with her. And even, oh my God, that gratuitous, like everybody has to kiss Tom Cruise. It was like that ridiculous uh. bit with Lois Smith in Minority Report where it's like, you know, Tom Cruise is really hot. So we're just going to have a female character just out of the blue kiss him. Like, oh. Let's all jump on the bed at the end, like Return of the King. I, I just, just that whole thing that, you know, uh, Ethan Hunt is as hot as Tom Cruise, so chicks just kiss him out of nowhere. I mean, that's a Tom Cruise joke yeah, and not an Ethan yeah. Hunt joke. And I, it's kind of yeah. like Samuel Jackson saying motherfucker at the end of, uh, of Infinity War. Uh, that, that's a Samuel Jackson joke, not a Nick Fury joke. Someone leaning in to kiss right. Tom Cruise is a Tom Cruise joke and not an Ethan Hunt joke. And I, that sort of takes me out of things. Um, yeah. You know, I'm complaining a lot, but I don't mean to make it sound like I didn't enjoy the movie. And, and like I said, it's fine. I just had a lot of complaints with it that kept it from me enjoying it as much as I did some of the others. And I the, feel like the waste of Vanessa Kirby was a big one for me. This oh. movie feels like so similar to Rogue Nation, just like in a, in a lot of ways that it seems like the action sequences could have been in either movie. Like they don't really go. Well, the, Kelly Wan, you mentioned that. Part. Like I really. I enjoy a high altitude, low opening jump sequence as much as the next guy, but yeah. that that was so contrived. Like, come yeah. on, you guys have to paradrop into Paris. That's yeah, gonna right. be the act. And I enjoyed it, and I loved it, and it's cool. They go through a lightning storm, and there's the bit where you don't know that Henry Cavill's a traitor yet, and he thinks that Tom Cruise lost his oxygen can. That was great. I enjoyed it, but seriously, that was such to get a into weak, a nightclub. That was right. That was such a weak, weird setup. Uh, so and, and it's the same with some of this other stunt stuff. Is I, I just feel like they're they're not trying to earn it anymore, and they're just kind of sticking it in there willy nilly. Or they're just using the geography instead of the choreography. That's a that's a good way to put it. Sure. Yeah. 
That's um, a good way to put it, yeah. Like, and I th- and I've read that Christopher Corey is is he goes because he'll he's a writer too, so he's like, go find cool places and then I'll <laughs> figure it out later. And he's actually said that to them. Well, and that's, that's how, a fine way to work if you if you can write it, sure. And then that is how you write action sequences, by the way. Right. As a script writer, it has to leave it up sense. to the director and the choreographer and the, the location. You, you don't really write in a script, and then Tom Cruise punches to the left, and then Henry Cavill yeah. blocks. You don't write that. You just write action sequence, and yeah. then the movie takes it from there. And so I, I kind of feel like the script just it wasn't really trying that much here. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's been that way all along, and I just haven't noticed. Uh, and the twists all seem similar to ones we've seen. So like, let's talk about that then. So the Mission Impossible tropes and the yeah. twists. Masks. Um, to, yeah. How did the thing is? How did those work for you? Uh, in, in this one as opposed to other ones? How did the twist... The, the, the sort the of Mission Impossible... Yeah, the, 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 the whole tropes... Like the idea of the Mission Impossible gotchas, uh, which I think are for the audience as much as the victims of the trick in, in Mission theory. Impossible. In theory, right. Uh, how did they work for you in this movie? Um, I liked them, but at this point, I'm kind of starting to see through them. But yeah, um, we all are. That's the problem. There's yeah. six of these fucking things, and they still have the same techniques. So it's like, it seems impossible for them to trick us. And so they just go through the motions, and they make it even more convoluted, but they don't, like, I, make it more artful, necessarily. I think they need to have another dimension for that, and I don't know how they get to that. I don't but either. I think, I think sure. they need to have another dimension for that, because the because the uh, the walls falling down stuff, I think... Ugh. Um, I, I mean, I really liked I, I like watching the set piece happen and it's literally a set piece. You know, the, the CNN thing is funny um, with the cackling dude uh, and Wolf Blitzer. Uh, it, that's a that, that's kind of an amusing moment, but it's it's not a suspenseful moment. No, you, you but almost for a the, second you go, oh, there's real world implications to a Mission Impossible movie, and you're kind of perking up, like, whoa, what? And then it's all horseshit. You're like, no, it's a self-contained universe where anything can happen. But you know, you know that's not the case. But you're kind of—they understand that you're in on the joke at this point. Um, the thing I would like to do, like to see, is maybe a whole movie where somebody else has been wearing the Ethan Hunt mask. I don't know. That's but some good. sort of some sort of subversion of it would be really great. And I don't think they've gotten there yet. Um, the, the Rogue Nation does does some good stuff with it as far as the the head of uh, MI6 is concerned. Um, they finally, they finally be, able, they finally create a mask, or they decide to do something that doesn't look like Tom Cruise with bubble makeup on, um, and and that works well in Rogue Nation. Uh, but it, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of as much as I love this movie, I'm kind of getting weary of that. Um, also, it, it subverts it sometimes because the Angela Bassett character is supposed to be in on taking down Cavill in that one, and then her guys turn out to be <laughs> – they start shooting everybody, and they're the ones that kill Baldwin. So she's a she's a patsy too. She's an idiot. But then she's not presented as one. She's like – at the well, end, she's that, like, oh, okay, we did no, that, it, guys. Yay. That, that said, I do like the Simon Pegg thing where he, he's, uh, he's Solomon Lane. Um, and I, and I, I also – so I ask because I kind of feel that 
partway through the Simon Pegg being uh, Sean Harris bit, I feel like the movie knows we know. And what we're yeah. watching is yeah. Henry Cavill catching up. Uh, right. And I, I feel like the movie understands at this point, look, we're not going to try to trick you partway through. We're going to sort of set it up, and we know you're going to know before the characters know, so you get to enjoy watching the characters squirm. It's not a gotcha on the audience. Right. It's us being in on a gotcha with Henry Cavill. But where It's I a wanna... character realizing they're in a Mission Impossible movie. Very good. And But where I want to defend it, though, is it totally got me in the opening, and not with oh. – uh, not with – the idea that the guy's message is going to be fake, like the moment Tom Cruise was super angry and was going to, and was like, okay, we'll read your message. I was like, oh, they're they're faking with some fake Wolf Blitzer transmission. But where the movie got me, and where that opening bit was really cool to me, is I, and with when I think back on this, I was stupid for this, but I really thought that those explosions had happened, partly because the movie's subtitle was Fallout. Like uh, I, yeah, yeah. I, cause I go in wondering, okay, let's find out why this is going to be called fallout. And then I'm watching it and it's yeah. super abrupt and weird and dark, but I'm kind of thinking, oh my God, terrorists took out the uh, Muslim, the Jewish and the Christian capital. That's just insane. Okay. Where is this going to go? And once I realized, oh, they're tricking the guy to get the code. I still didn't see, you know, the final mask had yet to be pulled off that there were never even nuclear explosions. So that totally tricked me. Uh, And then later when it tried to trick me, I felt like it knew I was going to figure it out halfway through. And it was just enjoying me seeing Henry Cavill getting tricked. Uh, It was just letting me enjoy that. I like like that interpretation because that isn't that basically the definition of dramatic irony. Uh, With with their whole – go ahead. Where the audience knows what's going on before the characters. Right, right, sure, sure. With the Henry or Cavill Mike. one, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because it works either way. Because I was both times I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, Mission Possible. Like I was between Cavill and Tom. <laughs> but did you guys? Did I was you guys, still enjoying it, but I wasn't fooled by it. And I think that that it's possible to have uh, to have your cake and eat it too in that in that effect. There sure. might be people who are fooled by it, but I'm not going to be but because you guys I know these movies so well. You weren't tricked by the nuclear stuff either. Like, did you know? That yeah, that I was. was. Oh, oh, okay, okay. At the beginning, and then I start, and then it started to seep into my consciousness. Wait a minute. And then okay. I was disappointed when it wasn't. I kind of was too, Kelly. That would have been a better plot. I, go, I did think there would be action sequences in like a post-explosion uh, Rome or something. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I wanted to see how Tom <laughs> would deal with that failure. I go, this is an interesting arc because right, he just right. three nuclear mission impossible that was impossible. What's he gonna do? But oh, Kelly, Wand, I, I think we're dumb, and as Dingus is probably about to say, like you, you can't do that in these and if you're going to do it it has to be a huge yeah. it has to be a huge yeah. moment like yeah this so, isn't some of some of all fears yeah. right 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 yeah dingus dingus is a bit wiser to it than we were i, I guess think. so but i want to live in a world where that could have happened <laughs> whoever the dude is who's who's playing the manifesto guy in the bed in the hospital bed is is just a cackling asshole yeah um, well that's just I, I can't stand that performance unfortunately He's just cackling the whole time, and I'm like, all right, come on. Can we get this scene over with? And then I start to get a feeling of, oh, all right, this is what we're doing. Because uh, we've had this scene before. And as another example, why – for I feel the movie's kind of lazy in terms of setting these up. Can they really not get through a passcode on an iPhone? <laughs> like all of that right. just to get the guy's four-digit or maybe – I don't know, maybe six-digit passcode? Really? 
Benji can't just hook that up to his hacking machine. What, what universe are we in again? Yeah. I don't, the detonator was, yeah. I mean, that just was so convoluted that it lost me that I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to trust that you guys are, you guys know what you're setting up. We need, uh, we need them both. <laughs> okay, whatever. You've, you've successfully bowled yeah. me over with your tech talk. I'm, I'm accepting it. But the idea that's going to happen anyway, so I don't need to pay too close to it. Right. But the idea too, that this whole big thing was just to get the guy's passcode. I feel like, no, come on, make it, come on, make it harder than that. Benji can get into an iPhone, can't he? Yeah, but he's uh, a field agent now, so now they have no one on tech. <laughs> Uh, Dingus, before we move on, I want to know, because I know you've shared our enthusiasm with Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, Kelly and I were kind of disappointed in how little she got to do here. Do you? What are your feelings about how she was or wasn't used in this movie? Uh, I thought she provided more – she provided one of my favorite moments in the movie, uh, and I thought she provided more comic relief, but um, not enough badassery. And you know, there's a, we have a listener named Eric Geithner who said who watched it with his wife. They both enjoyed it, but they both wanted more Rebecca Ferguson. And I, I kind of feel the same she gets way. To save Genji. I, I kind of feel like putting more and more characters in in the movie kind of dilutes it a little too much. Um, yeah. Even though I really liked this, I, I having watched Rogue Nation a couple of times. Uh, before we were going to do this in a couple of different circumstances. Um, it was, it's just such a pleasure watching her show up and then just totally freaking kick ass and stab a dude through the head. Uh, and here she's just kind of running around and looking around. And she has um, to pull her punches in this because of the plot. Cause you do the, and, like, she doesn't want to shoot crews. And I missed her. I, I wanted more of her. And we had a couple of listeners who were, Saying we want more Eric, Eric, uh, Erica, uh, Rebecca Nelson. Ferguson movies, you know, movies in general. And her uh, arc's but, leaving the franchise. It looks like, like, okay, you're done. Well, that's movie. another thing. Again, out, I just yeah. felt like it was so contrived and lazy that, oh, really? MI6 needs her to assassinate Sean Harris. You know, if MI6 right. really wants this, MI6 is perfectly capable of assassinating Sean Harris. Getting someone need to, who wants to do it. Yeah, they don't need yeah. to send someone who isn't even a member anymore so that she can get back in the club that, that just felt so weird to me yeah. as this contrived way to do hey let's set tom cruise versus rebecca ferguson and and by the way when they set that up i was okay with it and how contrived it was because i thought there would be some more interesting resolution right. in their yeah. their in the tension between them the plot between them like in the first one and it wasn't it was this really no. weak hey they're gonna get together and she likes him and he likes her but being rings has to talk to him separately and I just was so disappointed think, in the resolution of that. I think it was because of Monaghan. That's my theory. Is we're, we live in such a puritanical, stupid-ass fucking culture now that since Monaghan was in the movie, I think they probably went, well, we can't have him you know, getting too hot with Ferguson because his wife's still around even though she's nah, with you, the You might movie. be right, Kelly Wand. I mean, I, would, that would, so would, annoying. Would some people in the audience feel uneasy with that? And you might have yeah. a point. Because yeah. I did like great. how – the Monaghan thing resolved. Like, I love this idea that they're both okay with it and, and that they, they know it's something that has to happen and that Tom Cruise can look at her and be happy with her being with Wes Bentley. Uh, like, I'm thinking of the, of the end of the scene of Sideways with Paul Giamatti looking at his wife uh, and finding out she's pregnant. Like, that's... Ethan Hunt handles that scene gracefully and with poignance, and that was, that sure. was a nice payoff. I liked that a lot. Uh, but look, you, what it, look what it costs you. Well, I, you <laughs> might be right. Is I do wonder, is that did they have to like put Rebecca Ferguson at arm's length in order to make that scene 
I smell studio pencil. notes. Maybe. maybe. maybe what do you mean? Like, what specifically do you mean, Kelly, by that? I smell studio notes. That having, uh, having Monaghan in the movie, which he doesn't even know she's going to be in the movie, by the way. We know she's going to be in the movie. But it's like... I didn't know. Oh, I knew. I just, I mean, you know, I read it. I mean, it doesn't... <laughs> Kelly Wong, well, quit ruining movies. Keep, keep, <laughs> keep in mind that when I go into this movie, I have no idea what's going on other than the fact that... Uh, uh, imagine an Imagine Dragons song is probably going to be in it, which it didn't happen. Um, that's the only thing I know. I mean, the also, thing is, she's if, in the first scene. Exactly, and that Kelly Wan that could have explained her credit. By the way, is if sure, she's right. just in that scene, she gets right. a credit. So I, I'm with Dingus in that I didn't know she was showing up at, at the end either. Well, um, dreaming about his wedding and double life and all that shit, which is stuff that. Obviously, I mean that implies she's gonna. It's a it's a foreshadow for her coming back, because he's never had these issues before <laughs> that we know of. And to answer Diggis's question, I think that's the thing. He's dreaming about his the woman he married in the first scene, and therefore when he sees Ferguson later, the and she's saying shit like that that implies they're either if they haven't hooked up, they should because she's like, you should have come with me. Like that's that you say that to someone you love, not like a bro who's in the same line of work. And then I just think that they were like, well, if he has sex with Ferguson, when he sees Monahan at the tent city later, it'll be awkward if Ferguson's all there. <laughs> right, the studio, the, the studio says hey, that's going to be awkward. Yeah. So let's save that but until the seventh movie. <laughs> or the studio head's wife was like that. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Why is he still with that other hot girl? So what if she's remarried? I don't know. I just, I don't have a lot of faith in the culture right now. I just think we're living in a very hysterical, puritanical era. And so that kind of shit, I just, I don't, because this thing is like, he doesn't even, he barely kisses Ferguson. They don't have sex or anything, but they still talk like they do. So it's like, you're, and you, no, no one has sex in movies now anyway. So the, and it's a fucking spy. Come on. <laughs> what? No one has sex in spy movies now? Is that where we're at? Is that better? Is that progress? What the fuck's Kelly, on abstinence. It's the, it's the new hotness. Come Becca on. Ferguson? <laughs> Even when it's... Ah, please. I don't know. I mean, if every chick's throwing herself at, at him, as you say, and he's still not having sex with them, that seems mean. Kelly Wand, he's, got to, he's still got to get over Michelle Monaghan. Give him time, Kelly Wand. Please. <laughs> all right. Well, who remembers that, really? I mean, I watched all the movies... I watched. I really love these movies, so I watched them, and I saw that whole party sequence at their house and all that stuff that he goes through with her. Um, but there's that great scene where he comes back from work with her, and is he lost his uh, recruit, and he's super depressed, and he can't right. say anything to her. It's great. It's one of the best scenes in the franchise. Right. Good work, right. Abrams. Abrams should just do Mission Impossible <laughs> movies. Although I do like McQuarrie. Um. But yeah, it's I agree with what Tom said, but I like Cavill more than Tom did. Like I think he does need a good villain, and I didn't remember the villain from Five as well as you guys did. Like he was, was in the, the guy with the suit suitcase. Who, which is the one that just had a, 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 a Well, that's Sean Harris, right? The, yeah, the one that I that I think is least memorable is the Russian guy with a suitcase. I remember there's the fight on the parking garage, and there's some Russian. Because that yeah, five? and they have two similar names in this. I don't remember. I don't remember five as well as, as like Dingus has seen it multiple times. You can probably correct. Well, me. I I love I really loved Sean Harris, but his voice does. Then this is why I did the Dory Marbles thing. He, he reminds me of Mrs. Thoughts for your thoughts uh, from Parks and Rec. 
It, just the way he's doing his voice. He, I don't know why he's doing this voice, but he's doing it anyway. Um, I, I really do love Sean Harris, and I, and I, and we have a listener, and I'll have to figure out who said this, and I will give you credit for saying it, but who likes the fact that unlike previous Mission Impossible movies that just uh, create a new villain and love interest every time, this one brings brings them back, uh, yeah. brings the villain and brings the love interest back. Uh, and brings more than one love, love interest back, and in, even many. introduces a new one. <laughs> it, it is a little bit like the reverse of the the second Batman or any other franchise that says, "Well, there was a good villain in the last one. Now let's have two. Yeah. Now, now let's have three. I'd um, scotch but, the one you don't need or that you don't get anything out of. I don't know. But, who's the one you don't need? Well, I would have said Monahan to be honest, but um, oh, all right, but. Well, I don't know. The two guys in this, I got confused because they had similar names. Because one's named Lane and the other one's named Lane. Yeah, that was a weird – that was a Sauron Saruman thing, wasn't it? I was like, yeah, yeah. you guys polish that up in the script. Let's make that and they're more they're both white. They're both kind of <laughs> pain, Well, one of them is, the to be pie. fair, a Kaiser Soze character. I mean this is a Christopher McQuarrie script. So it's basically a, a you know, right. who's, who's Kaiser Soze moment. But Lark right. and Lane, like I, I feel giving yeah, them like similar names like that was a little odd. Uh, yeah, you, yeah. if you were writing a novel with those two names, you'd get dinged for that. You'd get really raked over the coals for that. I do like the name John Lark is cool. Like, that's great. But if you've already got a Solomon Lane, yeah, rethink that. But I, I, yeah. John Lark reads well, but yeah. Uh, two Mission yeah. Impossibly. <laughs> so, uh, okay, Kelly, yeah, go ahead, Dingus. Yep. Well, I was going to say Kelly brought up Dreams. And we, and Chris Markinson also said it was strange that they went to dreams in this movie, and uh, this this is the first thing I thought when I saw the movie because the beginning for me just because of the visual was evocative of Infinity Wars um, and Terminator, just because of that yeah the, the like the segmenting face or whatever. Um, so what did you guys think about that they went to dreams in this? And he and he's curious. Chris Markinson is uh, one of our listeners. Um, have they done that before? I don't think they've done that before. No. I don't either because it wasn't just exactly. dreams, Dingus. It was also imagined sequences when they're planning. Yeah. And right. and I kind of like – Oh, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, when, when Vanessa Kirby is talking about uh, uh, the whole heist bit on the French motorcade uh, and then it cuts to – and I don't know if Christopher McQuarrie wants us to think this is really happening. Maybe. Well, but the thing is, it is it is such a distinct stylistic choice that is the opposite of what these movies have done because he cuts to it with, with no sound, like with no quiet sound. sound. And I'm like, yeah. well, this is either a really different approach to this. As, I, as I'm watching, I'm like, okay, this is really cool. I like this. This is intriguing. But then as it's going on, I'm like, well, is this a dream sequence? And then as Tom Cruise is shooting people, I'm like, oh, I think this is just going to be yeah. a, an imagination. But the thing is, that hasn't been done before. Like, we haven't gotten into Ethan Hunt's head like that, I don't think. I, I think they actually have done it before. They've done that sort of, uh, let me tell you how the mission's going to go. And then you think you're, they're showing you the mission, but really they're showing you their plan or their their ideal of the mission okay uh, they've done it before they? but not but a, not a like fear this. thing not like a like a this would be the i guess not like getting caught or the mission failing or or him having to compromise his values uh well i think it did happen um i think in ghost protocol no no it was in rogue nation where he said where where benji dunn says well no mask then because they do the whole the, the that whole gate thing where he where 
they describe how you're going to get into that uh, underwater area, and they imagine him going through it with a mask on, and they play it out visually for us, and the guy gets tasered because it's actually Simon Pegg because the gate shows you shows the way you walk, the way your facial expressions look. Then he gets tasered, and uh, and so Simon Pegg basically says, "Okay, so no mask then." So he's constantly like wanting a mask, and even in Rogue Nation, he says, "So mask, no mask then." Mm-hmm. So they've done this before, but never in this stylistic choice. And I totally agree with you, Tom. I loved. I loved the way they they reduced the sound and just had music there. And I, I wish Christopher McQuarrie would do a, a scene with some sort of stylistic approach like that, but I don't think that these movies will allow for that. Uh, yeah, and that's why I didn't like the dream because it was too nakedly. Hey, remember Monahan? Like it was too on the head, on the nose, kind of like really a double like really. Yeah, that's what Ethan Hunt dreams about, what he worries about. I don't know. So, Give me something else. Dingus, you said this was thematically dark, and I'd like to hear more about that because one of the things that also kind of turned me off is the moment that the the pretty French gendarme got got shot. I was like, okay, this is this is different. This is weird. Now it's going to get dark, and it doesn't. Like they can't let her die, which I guess I guess that's consistent, and that's kind of how these things go. That's uh, his mission impossible. He has to find a way to save her, but not out himself right right but i I, you know i just feel like the moment i was watching that scene i just wrote in my notes so not dark because i really was like oh Oh, okay it's gonna get dark (laughs) so so dingus when you say it's thematically dark let's let's talk some about that and how you feel that this uh because that was one of my issues is that it's not dark is it nobody innocent's gonna get killed and nobody you know we're gonna it's not dark that alec baldwin got killed i don't think particularly because and maybe it's just me that's as dark as it ever gets and so that was one of my objections. It's not dark, and that's also part of what I love about the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman is that does get super dark, uh, and, and especially now with with regards to what's happened to him, that's a really dark one. Um, and he's a dark character. But yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about how this one's thematically dark for you, Dingus. All right. So I'm particularly talking about the cold open, uh, which is which is a very specific way that they, they do these movies. There's a, this opening action sequence that's going to relate to later things, but is a little lighter. Like think about the way that Rogue Nation begins uh, with that airplane sequence with the Chechens who are supposed to transport this uh, nerve gas somewhere. And um, uh, Benji's out in the field in his like weird sniper, whatever they call it. What's that camo outfit that snipers Gilly wear? Suit. Gilly suit. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I knew you would know that. Uh, and he's trying to hack into the plane while Ving Rhames is trying to control the satellite. And they can't quite because all he can't do it. He can't shut down any of the parts of the plane that he's normally able to do because all of these things have been shut down. And all of a sudden you just see Tom Cruise running along a ridge and he jumps on the wing of the plane. And it's just it's just it's dangerous and funny. Uh, he jumps onto the, not that door. You know, that whole thing is just it's funny. It's that opening that opening cold, that cold open. That's very much Mission Impossible. And then, you know, you're going to get the and the fuse. Um, This movie, for me, felt like a subversion of that because the opening of it didn't feel like a Mission Impossible movie to me at the beginning. It is the dream, right? It's the dream with the wedding or no. Well, after after the dream, when we, you know, you you should have killed me, Ethan, and and then he goes into that fate whispers to the warriors thing. Mm-hmm. I am the storm. Uh, 
it didn't feel like a Mission Impossible beginning. In fact, I felt like I had walked into the movie late. And I missed the opening. It's a, um, it's a warm I, opening instead of a cold opening. Yeah. It's yeah, it, it is. Opening. It is very well put, Tom. It is kind of a warm opening. And I know we got there early because I had to see a, I had to not see a couple of previews. But while I was sitting there, I was still like a little doubting myself. So I was really getting nervous in the opening parts of this movie because it felt very dark. It was visually dark. That whole thing where he's doing the back and forth of I am the storm was dark. The I am, the apostles, the plutonium cores, all of that stuff's going on. And it's not – it's not like – I hate to use the word fun, but him running along the wing of that transport plane and jumping into the door of that thing um, and then where he's like strapped – to the that nerve gas, and he gives that little Tom Cruise like, sorry, look to the uh, to the soldier before he pulls the chute and flies out of the plane. That's all really like that's adrenaline producing. This was a little bit of a downer, and I felt like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a really dark movie. Eventually, it gets to lighter moments, but it felt like a weird subversion of what we had seen in Rogue Nation, and that's what I meant by dark. Okay, sure, because. Yeah. It's visually dark, and it's also it's a little bit rough on you at the beginning. Um, so, uh, so th- there's this weird acronym nest, um, and and I like that there's a lot of weird information and acronyms being doled out at the beginning, uh, but you don't get them until later. So the beginning is important. It's not just a little bit of fluff. Uh, and I really like that about this movie because it pays off when you finally get to the fuse moment. What uh, what about the overall uh, theme of it? Because uh, it, it has something that is in, in a way evocative of of what Marvel was doing with Infinity Wars. This idea of saving one versus saving millions. Uh, how do you right. guys? What did what did you guys think of that? Of its approach to that? Good, Kelly. I don't know. <laughs> what? Because that seems to be like well, the, the idea. Oh, go ahead. Yep. I was uh, I, I was on the I think with Infinity Wars I was kind of with Captain America on that. That I, I saving one person is saving the world entire. That that philosophical that philosophical concept. Um, and you know Angela Bassett's. What was her name? Erica Sloan, I think, is her name. <laughs> no, Dingus, you're, Dingus, it. you're making that up. That's not. That's no one's real I, name. Please. I think it is. I think her name is Erica Sloan, but I'm not sure. Uh, her thing is, you know, that's the job because uh, um, Alan Hunley, Alec Baldwin's character, Alan Hunley, says uh, he would have lost his entire team, and she's like, that's the job. You sacrifice your team to save a bunch of people, and Ethan Hunt refuses to do that, even at the cost of giving plutonium to a bunch of people. Um, and I'm more in the camp of if you save one life, you save the world. I'm, that, more, I'm more in the Captain America camp. Well, that's the message of the movie, I think, that, uh, and I think they have Alec Baldwin say as much, is that we need – in order to protect millions of people, you need someone who will sacrifice all of those millions in order to protect one person. And like that's – and again, I think that also is not – is so not dark and it's so not realistic. Oh, There's no moral right. calculus. Like it's a, it's a very naive Captain America-y, Boy Scout-ish approach. And I, you know, I don't, I don't think Mission Impossible is actually teaching anyone moral calculus, but I feel it's that that was to. 
Well, I feel that that's one area where, where it's again, it's not dark. It's it's a very much you know Ethan Hunt because he's the kind of guy who won't let Ving Rhames die. That's what we need to protect our nation is that kind of guy. And they they spin out this really weird moral calculus with. Uh, Angela Bassett on one side and Eric Baldwin on the other that just feels weird to me when when I hear it uh, and I understand well, I don't I shouldn't overthink it but the movie's putting the thought experiment in front of me so I do find myself thinking about it well it certainly is the opposite choice God took right I mean if you think about it from a biblical standpoint he's like I'll, I'll sacrifice one person <laughs> right. to save the entire world well dig is I, I was I was just thinking more like Thanos but, but Noah <laughs> But uh, yeah, well, the other way. because that's the thing is that bibl- as biblical stories, that's exactly right. Is that's the sort this that's the sort of stuff that religions and biblical stories and morality because we used to get our morality from religions. Those are the things that it addresses. And now, and I find this intriguing, we have Marvel heroes and the IMF addressing these questions, and I'm fascinated at their different approaches. But not with to any it. depth. And there's no real. You say not with any depth, Kelly Wand. That's I, I disagree. That's one. I I would say, and Dingus, I want to hear your disagreement with Kelly Wand here. But my disagreement with Kelly Wand would be that there's no depth to the Mission Impossible approach, and I don't think they're supposed to be. But I do think that there's some really intriguing. If not depth, at least weighing of options in uh, the Marvel movies lately. Um, mm. So that would be my nope. disagreement with you, Kelly Wand. Dingus, what's your disagreement with Kelly Wand? <laughs> well, when Kelly says that you disagree that there's no depth, Kelly says there's no depth to it. Dingus, you took I'm saying there's no real world. Like you're stuck with the movie being what it is. So any solution the characters come up with isn't going to have any bearing on how real life works. That's what I'm saying. Sorry, Dingus, thoughts. What do you mean it would have no bearing on how real life works? I'm saying when you guys were arguing about the Iron Man versus Captain America thing, that's not <laughs> – No, 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 not that one. Not that one, Kelly Wand. Not, that's gun control. That's a metaphor for gun control. I'm talking about the Thanos stuff uh, and the, the Captain America believing, yes, we have to save one life, whereas Doctor Strange is like, no, forget that one life. We have to save millions. My that's, thesis still holds true because okay, it still is, yes. comes down to which characters are you contractually obligated to show up in the next movie and do we want to do another part about this? And so it's all just lip service to how they want to do the next series and stuff. Fair enough, Kelly Wand. I guess so, we're, we're, we're reading no. – maybe Dingus and I are reading too much <laughs> into I think you guys these silly movie plots. And all right. children. So that's because I, I mean, does it not like you guys? I'm, you guys make fun of me, and rightly so, for my whole idea about John Wick Two. Didn't he didn't honor his obligations? He's a jerk. I don't like him. He's a dick, yeah. So I kind of feel that way about Ethan Hunt. You dude, you left the plutonium behind to save Luther. No, that's that's dumb. And then the movie. But he really wants, thinks he can get it back. That's different. You're actually more right on John Wick. John Wick is the one I'll give you. But <laughs> well, but he's impossible. Ethan Hunt's like, dude, I can do anything. Fuck you. I'm gonna save Ving and get the plutonium. Just get off my ass long enough. Oh, you did. Yeah, I win. Why didn't he? <laughs> gra- okay, whatever. Yeah, you did. Fair, fair enough. Uh, but but he I, has I just faith in his abilities. I just want to say, right? I I think he made. I'm I'm the Angela Bassett in this equation. I think he made the wrong call, and that hope is not a tactic. That's why the beginning not that's turning out to be – yeah, that's true. And that's why the, when, the, when the cities get nuked at the beginning, it's kind of a bummer that they're not because now it's just Ethan wins again and right. he doesn't have to – like he, so far he's never been wrong, which I guess is part of the character. But, but in, the, in, the last two, <laughs> in the last two movies, people have been uh, taken from him who ended up being key to saving the day. I mean Ving Rhames ends up 
just diffusing this bomb in a, in essence um, with Michelle Monaghan, and he's the one that Tom Cruise decides to save. So but they're all going to so, die at the end. But what would the he fact say? is, the fact is, the piece of the puzzle that he decides, to, or, or or the tool, or the part of the the part of the mechanism that is IMF, or is part of the Ethan IMF. The, the piece of the puzzle that he chooses to save is the key piece of the puzzle but that you know even though he's like running over cliffs and whatnot if Ving Rames isn't there with Michelle Monaghan to clip those wires and to to do those things none of this is going to matter but dingus if Ving Rames if Tom Cruise had opted for the plutonium instead of Ving Rames none of that would have even come about right and, and I don't know I don't know what we're I mean we're basically you know it's it's an yeah, it's, a it's a contrivance in the movie and I'm willing to give it to the movie because and I think my bottom line on this is I don't think the movie is really that concerned with this thought experiment of one versus yeah. millions. I think it's wow. and, and and to me that's that's one reason where it refuses to get dark is it's not really asking us this question. That's uh, why I call it's a misleading title. Thing, but it's a red herring. You know, I well, it, the idea I actually kind of like it because I, when I find out the nuclear explosions are fake, I was thinking, well, why is it called Fallout? And I think doesn't someone even say the fallout of your choices? Or because I think the idea is that maybe yeah. I'm just you know that might just be something I wrote in my notes. But I All think right, the I'm idea, yeah, well, the, <laughs> the idea is that the fallout of his choice to save Ving Rhames is putting the world at risk. Like the, the right. implicate like the calling this movie consequences yeah. or implications would be less sexy. Uh, and, he's and, a human Deus ex machina, and none of these consequences ever happen, and they still have yet to happen. So right. the idea it, that it's it, either or, even in the Infinity War, Doctor Strange obviously has some plan. Kelly Wan, he's, like, he's the only way. Kelly Wan, don't get us started on that again, because we'll be here another three hours. We already did our three hours on Infinity War. <laughs> Save it for the sequel, Why? Kelly Wand. There's there's Ant another Man? one coming. The sequel yeah. called Ant Man and the Wasp. Let's so. talk about stunts, okay? Oh, good lord. Because this Ant is Man what we're here for. Well, are ah. you? Oh, I can't believe you brought up Ant Man and the Wasp. <laughs> that was the good lord. Yes. Yeah. What was the uh, Ant Man? I missed that. I'm sorry. What was the Ant Man and Wasp thing? As Ant a sequel to Infinity War that we uh, can't talk about. But studs. Um, there was one negative review of this movie where they were like, this is just a making of documentary and he's not really doing his own stunts and did it. And it's like, it looks like he is like if the, the results count and like, if it looks like he's on the mountain to me and he mostly does in this movie. Um, and he usually does in these movies, then I'm satisfied. Like use whatever chicanery you have at your disposal to make the movie look good. Mm hmm. But I don't know. He probably does more than they kind of pump up like, yeah, he does everything, just all of it. Oh yeah, but I kind of doubt that. Did, you see, did you see this at an arc light? Did you get to see their little featurette? No, I did not. I okay. saw it at a different kind of. Theater. So they did uh, where I saw it. They'll do. Uh, Wait, during... before you say that, I uh -huh. just want to yeah. say that Markinson thought saw it in 3D. I almost, <laughs> I almost went to see it in IMAX. Uh, which I kind of, eh, I don't know if I wish that. Oh, happened. wait, I saw it in 3D too. I forgot, but not because I wanted Wait, to. you forgot you saw it in 3D? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the parachuting stuff's a little okay in the 3D, but I don't remember any other parts. It's quite either. the ringing endorsement. The 3D is a little okay. <laughs> well, I hate it. Well, I, think we, well, I think everyone hates 3D. Well, right? well Chris. Gravity is like the 3D. Chris Markinson says the 3D was really noticeable to me in the first half hour or so. To the found I, to the point I found it a bit distracting. It, yeah. Well, then the characters start talking. 
<laughs> yeah. So in the little featurette thing, they make a big to-do, and I imagine this is probably part of the press for this movie, which uh, Dingus and I don't think have paid attention to. Uh, they make yeah. a big to-do of the fact that Tom Cruise took helicopter flying lessons and that he, wow. is, al- he is alone uh. in that helicopter flying it during the final sequence. Uh, that's awesome. Which, I, you know, you say Mountains. that's awesome. You say that's awesome, Kelly Wan, and I guess that is, but I had no way of knowing that watching the movie. Yeah, in a way, I don't care. And boy, if I'd been insuring this movie, I would have freaked out. I would have like, why? And I don't. So they made. They. I think they've made it to do about Tom Cruise doing his own stunts ever since there's one that opens with him mountain climbing. Is that two yeah, or two. three? Yeah, two. It's two. This yeah. is a real mountain. And I remember back then they were like, "It's really Tom Cruise doing that." And I think they're using that as a way to sell these movies. Yeah. And of I don't, I don't begrudge them that. Uh, but I'm not really sure that it's – Noticeable. It's, it's noticeable or effective. Yeah, I'm not really sure there's any reason for it beyond depends the marketing. On the it depends, depends on the shot. It depends on the shot. But and, and I remember the big to-do, and I f- forget what my opinion was of this, uh, in the last movie where he's hanging on the side of the C-130 for real. And that's fine, and it looks cool, but I don't think – that. There, there's no reason that this stuff can't be CG. They also explained that Tom Cruise also really parachuted 104 jumps in uh. order to get that sequence. And part of me is thinking, well, I just CG that. Why? Like, why are you doing actual jumps? Yeah, let him do it. I, I agree well, with it's you, the, at the same time, I appreciate that effort. Thank you for doing something I wouldn't even have noticed. It's the same thing, I think, with James Cameron taking a submarine down the Titanic. He's a millionaire, and he can, and this is how he sure. plays. And this is, I think, Tom Cruise's recreation. Is yeah. and, th- and that's fine, mm. and it sells the movies, and that's fine, too. Uh, but I just... I had no way of knowing that he was flying that helicopter. I just watched... Yeah. Uh, the movie Skyscraper with Anna Nicole Smith, and in it she plays a helicopter pilot. And The movie Skyscraper and the movie Mission Impossible Fallout were equally effective at making me believe the lead character was actually flying a helicopter. Yeah. You just shoot around yeah. it, or you see. Maybe she out. took lessons. Maybe she took lessons. Maybe she did. You'd have no way of knowing without knowing the press or watching the little featurette afterwards. Uh, but you just CG out stuff, like because of course when he's hanging under the helicopter, he's got to just have like harnesses right. and wires all over him, and all that right. stuff just gets CG'd out. Uh, but it, it goes. <laughs> but I think it goes to what you guys were talking about before with Ethan Hunt because of Tom Cruise's performance, never seeming tired. Like, it really is Tom Cruise just really committed to doing these stunts, and it's the same energy I think he brings as an actor. He brings as a guy who wants to do his own stunts, uh, and I guess they get something from that. But I just am kind of... I, in he a way, runs a lot, too. Like oh, he's great, and he's great at running, too. But I kind of just... I yeah. wished I'd known... I wish they'd done some cool one-shot thing where it was clear <laughs> that he was flying that helicopter. Because uh, yeah. I would have been impressed with that. Uh, it would have been a dumb shot, though. Eric Geithner says he, uh, he would probably watch a movie that was just Tom Cruise running. Sure. Well, of course, that's yeah, that's that's the connective tissue of a lot of these Mission Impossible movies. Well, runs in the he, firm too. It's a Tom he, Cruise thing. So when we talk about stunt CG, are we separating stunt CG and fighting stunt CG? That's a good question, Dingus. Those impacts in that bathroom fight were awesome. And how much of that was CG, or I, how much of that was stuntmen with actors' faces CG'd over them? 
because uh, Chris Markinson brought up that point in another area that like how do you guys feel about CG and and stunt fights? But then he also brought up this idea like when Tom Cruise is jumping from one building to the other, which I thought was a funny moment. He's like, why are you taking where uh, where C three PO is saying why are you taking so long? And he says I'm jumping off a building, and then he jumps across. Uh, Chris is like. Well, if they just put his face on somebody else's, what I have noticed. Yeah, and you wouldn't have. And I don't know if you guys know this too, but he, Tom Cruise, I actually remember reading about this, was, uh, and I do wonder, is this a press thing? Is it a marketing thing? He was injured doing one of the jumps. And you, you oh. read about that, you read on Variety. Tom Cruise injured shooting Mission Impossible Fallout. And so you click, you click on a little video, and there's sure enough a video of him doing one of those jumps with the wires on him. And... It, it looks like just like it does in the movie where he's supposed to land on the ledge and then grab it with his arms as if he would have just fallen. And then he pulls himself up, and in the video, he, he limps away. And the other stuntmen come running up to him, and he's laying – and eventually he was – I think maybe he sprained something. But I know from watching that video when that news came out, they use that take – they show Tom Cruise limping away from one of those, and that's the same thing he did when he actually got wounded. So I don't yeah. know, again, is this just some marketing thing that I'm falling for where they say, hey, let's pretend Tom yeah. got hurt, yeah. and then let's show people that. Like, did I accidentally watch a teaser? For Are you the Henry Cavill in this? <laughs> right, yeah. Did they trick me into watching a teaser for the movie? Yeah. Uh, and I, well, then maybe... man pulled his mask off when he left. <laughs> right, right. But but Markinson is it's absolutely the same thing I'm wondering too. Is is what does this bring? Is it worth it? And I think it's a lot of it is just it's Tom Cruise's <laughs> process, and it partly ensures that he's as energetic and committed as he seems to be when, when he's an actor, I guess. And it makes me laugh, so I like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also, no one like none of the other actors are doing it. Like well, okay, that... the helicopter shot. Wouldn't have mattered. That's but. why I ask about that bathroom fight is because Henry Cavill and whoever the Asian fellow was and Tom Cruise, that, that and a lot of it I'm sure was like foley, but I did wonder about CG just because of how much great impact stuff there was in there, which reminded me uh, of the, the fight in, in Atomic Blonde. But I also right. was disappointed mm -hmm. that other fights weren't like that. Like it yeah, really did. one it, good fight a movie. Exactly. Like when, when, when Rebecca Ferguson and Sean Harris are fighting, they don't get that treatment why does it just save for that one sequence like because that's what atomic blonde does is atomic blonde is yeah. okay when people punch each other this is what it's going to be like in this movie you're watching when i get that sequence in the bathroom in mission impossible fallout they don't tell me this but okay you're only getting this for this scene later on that that goes away one reason for me that cavill works in this movie a lot better for me at least than he does for you is like he's young and tall and handsome and, and <laughs> i do cruise love their height short. difference yeah, yeah, and yeah i think tom cruise is in his is in, in his 50s so it's a total david versus goliath kind of matchup so i yeah. like that like it's kind of like indiana jones fighting the bald dude at the uh yeah and they the let plant. that play out like they let that yeah. happen naturally it seems yeah. well I, what i like about it is that you know you know, early on in Tom's in Tom Cruise's career, I mean, it's clear that uh, Val Kilmer's Iceman is taller than Maverick. Right. You know, that's Everybody okay. Is. But then, as his career progresses a little bit, you know, there's a lot of apple boxing going on, so yeah. that Tom Cruise doesn't appear to be so short. And Which now is dumb. He should back... just play. Go. I'm the short, awesome spy. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he should Freddy be. Rodriguez. But after Night and Day, and 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 
you know, and going forward, he doesn't seem to be as sensitive about that. And he even plays on it here because I think there's something. Or me in the camera, Dingus. There's something great about that. Like, I, I like what you said about the uh, David Goliath thing. Like that, that whole, well, if I beat somebody who's taller than me or bigger than me, that, that right. kind of reflects good on me. Rather yeah. than me having to be taller than everybody else, I think maybe it's in scenes involving women all the time. You know, that, if that, a, if a woman is taller than I am, then I'm not gonna be as virile, that kind of thing. Well, not on that day. But um, <laughs> the thing that makes uh, Mission Possible Three so awesome is it totally reverses that, but effectively, because like Philip Seymour Hoffman's not supposed to be able to beat him in a fight. He's, he's like a, a fat, pudgy dude, and you're like, this is a weird matchup. And he's like the best villain ever, because it's like, it's all in, he's, he's all intellect. Yeah, yeah. And he's all just energy. He's just menace energy. I'm like, I'm not even going to exert myself to seem menacing. I'm not even going to look at you as my helicopter flies away. You're not even worth it. I'm going to kill to, your wife. Bye. To be fair, I think we should really all be a little bit resentful to Philip Seymour Hoffman for ruining some of the other Mission Impossibles for us. Uh... That's a little unfair to do that to the other three. He's hard to replace. But the not, not even just replace, like live up after. That's true. But that's why every that's why Tom Cruise has to be irritated all the time. <laughs> okay, I have, a, have to be I have a question for you, for you guys. And then I want to hear, Dingus, we had a lot of people who saw this. Uh, if you would, just go down the list real quick. But I have a question for you guys first. Uh, I have this theory that any time a professor or a school teacher is giving a lecture in a movie, it matters. Similar. Similarly, anytime someone reads a book in a movie, it matters. Uh, did you guys notice the book that the mission was inside of when it was delivered to Tom Cruise early on in the oh, movie? I forget right now, but I think I did. Dingus, do you remember? No, I don't. Because this always stands out to me. I, I see that, and I'm like, okay, i got to remember that. Why is he doing it? It was Homer's Odyssey. Oh. <laughs> so, and the whole time, and I don't even think, it wasn't until earlier tonight, I saw this a few days ago, but it wasn't until earlier tonight that I was like, oh, that's why. Do you guys know why Christopher McQuarrie writes that as the book that is the mission delivered to Tom Cruise early on in the movie? Because Cavill is the Cyclops. <laughs> no? Because it's a way homer. You only get it when you're on your way home. Because Greece is where the new warheads are at. I, I mean, uh, Troy is. I what? think you eventually, if you just eventually throw things from the Odyssey uh, at the wall, you'll eventually hit match. one of them. Rebecca Ferguson's Cassandra. Keep going. You're going to get there. Uh, uh, what 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 does uh, Odysseus come home to? Uh, misery. No, his wife. Oh, yeah, like it's about true. him after a long journey discovering Tomato, his wife and, and then winning her yes. back. <laughs> uh, and then sort of like reconciling it. Now it's a little different. He has to murder the suitors and there's all that yeah. stuff with his son. But I, I do right. wonder, really, Christopher McQuarrie, is that your equivalence is I'm going to show you the Odyssey because Odysseus is going home to his wife and there's going to be Tom Cruise's wife waiting for him at the end of this movie? I don't know. Yeah. That's all I can come up with. <laughs> Should have been Great Gatsby. Because the other guy's Tom Buchanan. <laughs> you were great as Tom Buchanan. Lord of the Flies. So, oh, yeah. Before we move on to listeners, I just wanted to mention one thing that I that I saw in this movie that I really loved, um, and that's the inversion of the chase from Rogue Nation. Uh, do you guys remember how the motorcycle chase up into the mountains works in Rogue Nation? Barely, dude. Yeah, they chase each other. It's awesome. I loved that sequence. Right. So they're chasing each other on motorcycles. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson has the doodad thumb drive. And Tom Cruise is like battling all the dudes and trying to get her 
before she can get the thumb de- thumb drive doodad to Solomon Lane. Uh, but he gets held back, and as he comes up this windy mountain road around the corner, she has gotten ahead of him, and she has gotten off of her bike, and she steps out in front of the road in front of him, and he won't run into her. She knows he won't. He lays down his bike, and he tumbles over, destroying his bike and nearly dying. And she kind of looks over at him and, goes, and just gets on her bike and drives casually back down the mountain road. Uh, she stepped in front of him and used him to, to used what she knows he's not going to run into her. In this he, movie, he won't return the her. favor. What a jerk. Yep. And in this movie, it's a subversion of that because she's like, I'm standing here. And he's like, all right, I'm just going to run you over. Yeah, what a jerk. And all I, right. I love that. It's not a jerk. He it's is a like, jerk. That's a jerk she, move. No, Don't. she was being a jerk. And no, he he, he was no. She Maybe. was being a jerk. She used his she used his feelings for her to to get what she wanted. Ethan yeah. should hang out he, with he should hang out with John Wick and Captain he America. He said, "I'm not falling for that again." I love that. I love that so much. It was so great. See, women, Dick Tom. What do you think about it? <laughs> That's what you get. That's what you get for showing heart, caring. Uh, before I get to the uh, listener submissions, I would like to say that my son Kiernan. Um, had two comments about this movie when we saw it together. One was, how did Henry Cavill get into the club without a pass? Because uh, he <laughs> seems question. to show up. Um, the yeah. other one was when the helicopter canyon chase is happening, he leaned over to me and he whispered, now it's just Star Wars on Earth. Oh, burn. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. He loved Kiernan's me. really growing up fast, and I'm, I'm, I feel I feel his childhood's behind him now, and he's never going to enjoy anything properly. And he's but I love I love that line. Now it's just Star Wars on Earth. See, well, I want to explain to Kiernan because that whole helicopter thing. That no, don't get me started. The, the helicopters don't fly that way, by the way. Go. You can't get into a helicopter and say, "Oh, this is the power." The helicopter <clears throat> rotor, rotary wing aircraft are inherently <laughs> unstable. That was no, from his there's lesson. no there's no power <laughs> on a helicopter. There's a collective that's like the bite of the rotor that affects lift. There's then there's the lift, a cycle. Yeah. You can tilt the rotor, and then you've got a uh, the the tail rotor which counteracts torque. You've got these three complex inputs and their interactions. Right. You don't pull the power and then make it go forward like a freaking airplane. You can't have some random guy jump in a helicopter and go, oh, here's the power, and then fly it around like that. He would crash you it immediately. You can't put a windmill on top of a plane and call it a helicopter. <laughs> exactly, Tom, Kelly Wand. Tom's never seen Airwolf, apparently. Oh! oh I bet David, I would hate that movie now. <laughs> David Hasselhoff was great on that show. <laughs> um, yeah, that's All right, a good so yeah, point. Kieran's right. It's Star Wars on Earth. Let's just make up. Let's turn helicopters into spaceships that can just do whatever. Star Wars is Star Wars on Earth now. That's my response. <laughs> all right, Dingus. What uh, what all did uh, what things did we miss that folks had to say about this movie? So uh, Arthur Gell and Jelly liked all of them, all of the movies, even number two a little bit, uh, and he loved this. And he's the one who said that he loved that it brought back Rebecca Ferguson and Sean Harris. Is it Sean Harris? Is that right? Yeah, Sean, Sean Harris. Yep. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, whose, whose voice does remind me of, of Derry Marbles. Um, uh, unlike the other movies that have to like feel like they have to reset every time. And I like that note from, from Arthur. Real uh, quick note. He, if, if, if you like he Sean. Says, mm-hmm. He says give Ferguson more, more, more movies. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Uh, if you like Sean oh, Harris, yeah. and I've mentioned this before, I love the cast in this. If you like, if you like the Baba Duke, 
If you like anything Ruth Negga is in, and if you like Sean Harris, there's an older horror movie called Isolation that uh, you should see. Really? So, okay. Yeah. All right, so that's Arthur Gilvalangelelli. I was bummed Rebecca Ferguson's yellow dress wasn't just her outfit for – Oh, um, I know, Kelly like Wan. Yeah. Jones. Uh, it's great watching that and watching her when she grabs the curtain to slide down it and thinking – is that why she wore the yellow dress? So she would. Whenever I think of the curtain. color yellow now, I think of Rebecca Ferguson. Just FYI. Yeah. So when you go to the bathroom? Well, when I look at the sun. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> bathroom. Mine's blue, Dingus. What's yours, you weirdo? God. <laughs> Wait, we're talking about jizz, right? So Soren said. Uh, Soren Hoagland. Uh, basically, he didn't have a lot to say. He dug the the hell out of this. He thought the action scenes were next level. But the thing he said that was most interesting to me was Chris McQuarrie is one of the best action directors working right now. Yeah, all right. David Leach is on the phone, Soren Hoagland. He'd like to speak with you. You know. Uh, (laughs) He's better than Len Weissman. (laughs) So Brian Becker, who's our uh, longtime listener, first-time caller, um, was the one who was the most tepid or had the most gripes about the Part of that is because there was there was so there's so much internet la 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 about it that he was like, wait a minute. Yeah, there is. Um, and he said he says it's perfectly uh, it's perfectly serviceable as an action movie, but he says something that I find amazing. This is this is a statement. And Brian Becker, I love yeah. that you wrote this in because I totally disagree with you, but I love that you wrote this in. And please write in some more. Um, he wrote in. Tom Cruise is incapable of having an emotional life with other characters oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in That's the true. movies. He's the best American actor at keeping his distance, I think was a Sarah Vowell one. Um, oh, really? Always alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always so he, he's great he's at a, it, though. I, I disagree with it. I think he has... I think he has in what? what? In what? In, in these movies. In these I mean, movies? I think he has an emotional uh, life with these characters. I think I'm with Becker on this. I, I'm with Becker and, and Kelly Wand as well, Dingus, in that I think what Tom Cruise has is an amazing celebrity wattage. And a lot of – that that substitutes for emotional relationships a lot. And I noticed yeah. this, Dingus. Dingus, we, we make fun of – so again, this Arclight featurette that I saw, there's a fellow named uh, – Jade. I forget his name. But there's a total like doofusy guy who does the interviews for the Arclight. Uh, during these featurettes. You remember oh, J.C. Cargill, or J.D. Cargill is his name, and he's oh. just doing the press thing, but he's he just has these like really dumb, inane, hey, press softball questions that get thrown at celebrities, and they're part of these featurettes, and the featurette is only ever as good as the actor or director being interviewed has something to say. J.D. Cargill's questions are, are never an intriguing part of it. But Dingus, when yeah. you watch the featurette, and I, I was sure afterwards when I stuck around to watch it, yeah, maybe they got Christopher McQuarrie, maybe Rebecca Ferguson showed up, but Tom Cruise did the press junket for this. All over it. And Tom Cruise sitting in a room, Dingus, with that guy, J.D. Cargill, and I swear to God, this is amazing. You would think that Tom Cruise loves that dude. Tom Cruise is super interested in what he's asking. He cares about him. He looks him in the eye. He smiles at him. It's just it's, – it's, it's a stunning thing to see. Uh, and I just think he knows how to light that up. And for some people, that's fine. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah, I mean so it's – just a matter of wattage, not emotion. Well, True. I, 
I mean, I, I'm not sure necessarily that you have to make a distinction. Like, I don't doubt there's some kind of emotion. It's just, it's a human connection. And whether it's real or not, Tom Cruise is really good at sticking it out there and making you feel it like it's real. Uh. And how is that any different from any good <laughs> actor? Like, it's creating this connection, creating this fake connection and making you feel it. Or fake or real, who knows? Like, does Tom Cruise and Rebecca Ferguson, do they really get along? Doesn't matter. What matters is can they make us believe it on screen? And okay. I think Tom Cruise, as I was able to see with this doofusy press junket guy, Tom Cruise can do it with anyone. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why they don't have sex, is because Rebecca Ferguson would be going, dude, you're jealous of yourself right now. <laughs> well, I don't yeah. know that it's I, – and I have to admit too, like I watched some of this, and because I know he's a Scientologist, I'm really tempted to just write him off as a charlatan. And – I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if that's like bringing too much of my own baggage about religion, Scientology into it. But uh, yeah, I don't. So I just kind of am with Kelly. Well, well, he's he's not, how's an actor not being a charlatan? I right. Mean, he's a professional. I mean, there's that, that old story from Marathon Man where, you know, Dustin Hoffman is like going through all this method stuff and uh, um, Lawrence Olivier is like, dear boy, why don't you just act? Because I also saw a movie called Blind Spotting uh, with a young fellow named, uh, I think his name is David Diggs. It was his first movie, and he got to make this movie with his childhood friend. And when they talk about their movie, there's a different kind of sincerity. I don't know if Tom Cruise's sincerity is real, but when I look at uh. someone like David Diggs talking about his movie and answering some inane question that J.D. Cargill has asked – I see that David Diggs cares about this. He's not just making it look like he cares. Mm. I mean, it's it. I don't. Tom Cruise is great at faking sincerity, and that's a perfectly cromulent kind of acting. Mm. Uh, but I I know different kinds of sincerity when I see them, and I think that's a crucial. There's just a difference. Like celebrity wattage isn't all the same thing as actual sincerity. I don't know. Did you ever see that Jesse Eisenberg interview we did after Now You See Me with that girl Romina? And she's asking him all this dumb shit. And she's like, here, can you do this uh, thumb and finger trick? And he's all, uh, that just looks like you're moving your thumb and your thumb's at the same width. And she's like, well, yeah, you have fat thumbs. He's like, no, my th my thumbs are fine. Uh, like he's, he's being totally defensive? Or, or No, he tears her down and she's all, I'm oh. going to cry. And, and she's like, he's all, what, you're on my time. What do you want? <laughs> he makes She makes him do a card trick. Oh, so he's you're saying he's the anti-Tom Cruise? Uh, I'm saying there's a lot of approaches to so those he's interviews. Mark Zuckerberg basically. <laughs> right, 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 right. But it's funny as shit. It's really worth watching, I guess, is my takeaway. But it's like it. I'd rather watch that almost than Tom Cruise sell movies. Like I'd rather watch just the fictional component personally. I don't know. Well, I, don't and like I also I also feel like that that anybody who uses his status to promote Scientology the way that Tom Cruise does. That's like, I, that just makes me feel weird, and I'm very uncomfortable with It makes with me that, feel weird, you know? but it, the, my first question is, like, why do you need that? Like, what? I don't understand. You, like, you don't seem dumb enough to need, you know, the volcano stuff. Like, it just seems like you would have been someone, and Will Smith, too. Like, neither of them seem like idiots. We were, like, we were very disheartened, Kelly Wan, to discover that Michael Pena is a Scientologist. Ew, really? Yeah. yeah. How do they get these guys? I just don't understand it. It's really I think strange. Tom Cruise uses Scientology as sort of focusing lens. I think that I think it's blackmail. I think if you look going clear, I think at this point it's it's a blackmail thing, and they just have some money you can't get out. And same with Travolta. And and when you're when they were younger and stupider, they just got into it, and now they're. 
they're locked in somehow. I honestly think that he's just got an excess of energy and he uses it as a focusing lens rather than letting his energy be dissipated. I think it's, you know, Markerson says something similar to this, like, like Scientology is somehow magically keeping him younger. I think he just uses it. (laughs) That's a good point. It is a good case for Scientology. He's almost the one good example of it. Well, Dingus, read us again what Brian's phrasing was, because what what kicked us off on this? What was it that Brian said uh, about... about, Uh, So... uh, uh, well, to lay it bare, Brian says that Tom Cruise is awful and is in, is completely incapable of suggesting any emotional inner life to his character. Um, okay. It, and mm-hmm. that's harsh, but I understand what he's getting at. And yeah, I do appreciate him putting it that way. Yeah. And he and he says, and I love the way he says this. He cannot, Ethan Hunt. He cannot suggest Ethan Hunt has any relationship with the other characters in the movie. And I love the word that he uses, suggest. He cannot suggest Ethan Hunt has any emotional relationships with other characters in the movie. And again, I disagree with that, but I see, I see the point that, that you, you two and Brian Becker are making. But Genji's blowing him. It just doesn't – he's not – it's not like a big thing. By the way, Brian Becker also agrees with you about the – he thinks that this movie is ripping off Dark Knight with the knocking the man into the water thing. Yeah. Exception. That's an Inception thing, though. Well, right? Dark Knight's got the van. They both have water and vans. They both have big sequences with a van falling into water. Don't they? The, don't, the van in Dark Knight falls into water, too, I think, Tom. I don't remember a van in Dark Knight falling in water. I remember a, an 18-wheeler flipping over. Mm-hmm. It could be. I don't know. Yeah. It's, a, it's at night. A dark night. A van falls in the water in the Christopher Nolan good Batman movie. Yes. Man, I don't remember that at all. Okay. I don't either, but but he also says that uh, Henry Cavill is two faced for two seconds. I know. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, exactly. Who doesn't That's think? Good. Yeah, totally. I you know that happened, and I was like, you know, I, I I the movie would be super brave if it let Ethan Hunt get sprayed with the the boiling oil. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Come on. What? Yeah. Poor they, have, they have to make him look ugly before they kill him. That was kind of mean. <laughs> yeah. Scar him up before you kill him. Ugh, he's already gonna get a hook in his forehead. <laughs> no, he's he's a dick. He's a terrorist, Tom. If Ethan Hunt got scarred, he could just wear an Ethan Hunt mask for that. Oh, you know what? You're right. Dingus. Bad for villains. Tom's like, man, poor Cersei and Dread. Man, that was cool. Man. They should they should totally do a um a being John Malkovich scene where everybody's Ethan Hunt in the room. <laughs> or Tom going, poor Goldfinger. Man, that wasn't cool. He, just because he's fat, that's how he dies. That's not cool. How does Goldfinger <laughs> die? Gets sucked out through a plane window. So and he's fat, so it hurts probably because he's Ooh, really fat. Wow. Okay. It's like, tiny. It's really gruesome death. But he was gonna uh, laser James Bond's uh, nuts. So I think that's tit for tat. <laughs> Dingus, we don't so need to. The, the good guys don't have to lower themselves to the level of the bad guys. They should take that. When the bad guys take the low road, the good guys should take the high road. Yeah, that yeah, worked right. out for us last time. Yeah, yeah, Trump. Wait, so – but Tom doesn't dis- mute, disfigure him on purpose, does he? No, it's an accident. Like it's just the, yeah. the helicopter Sorry. decides, hey, you know what, Henry Cavill here, I'm going to spray hot oil in your face before Tom Cruise kills you. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Christopher McCoy wrote that in there, so the helicopter – I'm sure it didn't happen. Well, you got to punish the villain because he's going to get a pretty – he's going to die off screen in a couple minutes. So yeah, you got to make him suffer scared. before he just yeah. dies quickly. OK, fair That's enough. That's the other thing. Getting back to Brian Becker going, God, all the uh, – or wait, whoever said uh, 
like, oh, it's so lionized by the critics. Like, it seems over-lionized a little That's bit. That's Brian Becker, yeah. Brian Becker. My theory is the mummy was such a piece of shit that they want to, like, <laughs> give him something like, dude, it's not you. The mummy is terrible, but you're great in these movies. And so they want to, like, kind of re-encourage him, like uh, Will Stallone and uh, Rocky and Creed. Rocky Six and Creed. And then, and then Stallone makes Rambo. And they're like, oh, dude, you're hurting me. What? We have to... We have to pretend to like Rambo too. Bridge too far. Get out of here. Ah, oh, Creed. No, this is good. Okay, yeah. Let's just stick to this guy. Don't yeah. make any more Rambo movies. We we got to make sure Tom Cruise isn't demoralized by the critics. Yeah, because he was bummed about the uh, interview with the vampire stuff. He was like, he was publicly sad. Like, man, come on, guys. <laughs> it's like Achilles right. sulking in the tent. Okay. Yeah. And Rice <laughs> like, no, he's great. After she sees the movie, like, I'm, I'm sorry, Tom, you're so cool, man. All right, so Dingus, Arthur, Soren, Brian, who else has written in? Andrew Kneller. We already talked about him. Andrew I'm sorry. It's Andrew Kneller or Kneller. I don't yeah. know. I, I just like saying Andrew Kneller. It sounds cool. There's a K there. Don't waste it. Use it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pronounced herbs because there's an H in it. All right, so uh, – <laughs> He said it seemed like McCory didn't get Ferguson's character, which I think we talked about a little bit. Yeah. Um, Did McCory write the last one, yeah. though? Yeah. yeah, I think so. So he invented her character and then sort of let it drop well, on the floor in this one. Somebody talked about Drew somebody who – that McCory is actually drawing from the things that Drew – it might have been Andrew who said this. Uh, oh, gosh. No, nah, I can't find it. Anyway, or she so, didn't fit into the – Oh yeah, it was him. It was more. It was more the writing of Drew Pierce that made it work so well in the last movie. But I couldn't. Ah. Oh well, what do we know? All right. So that was Andrew. Why do I have a pot? Uh, he liked Vanessa Kirby and her brother. He thought they were cool. Um, <laughs> she had a brother. Uh, and he did not like bringing Sean Harris back. Um. Well, it wasn't like he was like, oh, this guy's so he's so much such a match for Tom Cruise. He needs a, a, a follow up. They need a rematch. He's the Apollo Creed. So Chris Markinson wants to know, and I think he's got to be right about this, if the mustache here is what had to be CG'd off in Justice League. I think so, yeah. Yeah. All right. It certainly wasn't the beard in Sandcastle. Um, uh, yeah. And he loved the rave, the rave fight sequence. He was excited yeah, about that. Fun. He also wanted to know, and he, he wasn't sure about this, and I can't remember if uh, if, uh, if the letters in English would be CCCP, but that would be SSR in Russian, were stamped on the uh, cores. Do you guys remember? I don't. I'm, I kind of do remember seeing some C's in a P. The, but it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I don't think that would. I'm sure that they would have that. Long since removed, like the, the tag of the Soviet Union from the Same. Cold War. Maybe I don't know. Or yeah. maybe they're just Russian-made plutonium. Actually, I forget. We're, we're told where they come from, so maybe he's right. Maybe they were Russian. Well, be. obviously they were. I mean, they weren't like Pakistani nukes. Where did they come? Yeah, I thought it said Hydra on the suit. <laughs> <laughs> Hydra has Thanos. nuclear capability. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> but Thanos has convinced him to only blow up half the missile. <laughs> Also, he's he's one of the people who thought that um, uh, he wished they would have cut the scene where it lets you know that Cavill is the bad guy when he's lying to the That PA. is weird, yeah, when he gives her, her the phone. Like, are you guys yeah. really sure you want to tip your hand that early? Okay. Yeah, so he's he was very much – he he thought she, they should have cut that. I, he didn't see why they needed to do that. 
Um, he liked the chase the chase, chase theme. God, I can't speak. Chase scene through the European city. <laughs> got it. They, they cordoned off a lot of Paris, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, there's it's the usual thing though, where there's no pedestrians in Jeopardy ever, and then it's like, why do it? That's why Fast Five was so awesome. Is like. When they're dragging that safe around Rio and Fast Five, there's shitloads of pedestrians and they're in the buildings too. And they really make no effort to like, uh, you know, there's no reason to assume that there's not tons of deaths going on until like later. And I think there's a news thing. In fact, I don't even think there's a news thing where it says there's no casualties. So as far as we know, that they did kill a bunch of people with that safe in Fast Five. But anyway, without pedestrians, I don't know what the point is of showcasing the location but you can't kill them but you should kill them right the point chris's point is that the narrow streets make a huge difference yeah 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 and they because because it gets so narrow they get out of the woodshield normally like car versus motorcycle is just so silly but in narrow streets it makes more sense right I don't know the streets of Paris well enough to know to know where she's like oh she's going down those stairs so where like I don't know if that syncs up like if you're a Parisian like in L.A. when you watch Heat you're like oh yeah there's gonna go down onto Third Street there and uh, make a left on Flower. Jim well, I think I, no I you know I was thinking about the fact that the moment where where uh, Ethan Hunt runs into the car and then he runs over to that thing and cuts uh, open the net, falls into the boat. They they planned all of this out. Right. Um, in much the way that, like, the the remake of Italian Job in L.A., to your point, Kelly, pl- plots out how they're going to get in front of the Chinese theater and blow the street and wind up in and the exact right too. place. Yeah. Den of Thieves makes, like, if you know that lo- how far Long Beach is from downtown... And you have to imagine that they've, they've studied all these maps and they know they're, what they're doing. Right. Um, but in Mission so, Impossible movie, I never pay that much attention. To that so our penultimate writer uh, is Josh Lubliner, and I have not talked about him yet. Um, he thinks it's a straightforward action flick. Um, uh, and one of the things I like that he says is maybe the camera inside the crashing vehicle is getting overdone, but he thinks it's still cool when it's done well, and I think he's talking about the helicopter crash. Well, also when the truck falls in the water and floods with uh, Sean oh, Harris yeah. in it. Yeah. Do you think that's getting overdone? Um, I guess. I mean, I think there should be a, <laughs> there should be a reason for it other than that it looks cool. But and I think here they do it just because it looks cool. I don't think there's any real no. reason for it. Uh, although I will say, uh, and I don't think the movie really cared about this, but when the the truck falls in the water and Sean Harris is bolted to the bench, like that's terrifying to me. It's like all yeah. those bits in Dunkirk with sinking ships and airplanes yeah. and people trapped in canopies. Like I look at that and I'm like, ah, oh, this is horrific. Yeah. Uh, and I so that I, I like I don't drown. I like being inside the truck on that, but watching Henry Cavill being turned around on some <laughs> some helicopter on a spindle, like as some effect, I I you know yeah. It looks you mean fine. a gimbal? A gimbal or a spindle, Kelly Wand. Uh-huh. See, see. <laughs> What's the one where it's an old lady who's not married? It's a spindle. Uh, a henway. <laughs> What's the one where, where a, hobo is carry, a hobo is carrying? Hey, it's a spindle stick. Yeah. <laughs> sure. All right, but yeah, so Josh Loveliner, I kind of, yeah, you, you see that once, you kind of, 
there needs to be a reason for it if you're going to do it again. Yeah. I would even say two Mission Impossible movies back to back with cars and motorcycles in the same chase is a little too much uh, tongue on two sandwiches back to back for lunch, left leftovers, putting the salami and pastrami together in the milk carton. I'll shut up. But good so stuff. Josh, Let's do it again. Josh also says, and I know he would know, he says the RFID does not work that way. Thank you, Josh. Josh and I are going to hang out and explain to all the listeners later on how helicopters and RIFDs work. RFDs? I thought you meant the the thing that they shot into Tom Cruise's neck where he's running around and and, uh, Benji is telling him, turn left, turn right. Isn't that the RFID? Oh, I thought I thought I I thought maybe he meant the bracelets or but yeah, that that as well. Oh, maybe it is the bracelets. All right. Do CIA guys like these movies? They're probably going, oh, so unrealistic. Yeah. Look, how, look at the helicopter. <laughs> I had a That's friend. That's a bomb thing. I had a friend whose dad worked for the FBI, and when Silence of the Lambs came out, and um, Jack Crawford says, all right, get the jet get, get, get the jet going. We're going to Ohio or West Virginia or whatever. His dad's just like, get the jet, really? <laughs> we, we don't have a jet, everybody. That's good. Um, yeah. And... And Josh, also, to the Michelle Monaghan thing that we had earlier, uh, Josh really thought that they did a good job of catching us up uh, with regard to what she was doing there and and what the previous movies were doing. Uh Ah, she had to marry Wes Bentley. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he he said something really cool, and and I'm totally with him on this. He says, I admit they got me for one second at the very end. What, when Josh, the, please. When with, they want you to think, oh, the bombs went off, please, Josh. Yeah, they got me for one second, and Not they got me. my son, too. They got, like, oh, come on. You got, I'm the dumb one. They didn't get yeah, me for... No, we're dumber than you, Tom. You, you are now. Then... Josh Lubliner, too. Oh, I'm so disappointed yep. in you guys. Yeah. I was totally like, oh, my God, they chose to, they chose to totally kill everybody off. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> I know, but, but just... It was just a sudden, like, knee-jerk, like, oh, my God, they killed everybody off except for Tom. Uh-huh, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, they're going to do that. Yeah. You I think guys, the Simon I know that in the long run, but Josh words it perfectly. He, he says, I admit they got me for one second. So, Dingus, said, later on, uh, I, I got a bridge I want to sell you. Let's talk about that later. Yeah. Really right. good price. It's, it's, we'll make a decision Phil- in a second. <laughs> did Philip Seymour Hoffman build the bridge? Uh, I think so, you're thinking of Stanley Tucci. No, there's a huge bridge sequence in. Oh, never mind. Yeah, and Stanley Tucci has a yeah. great monologue about a bridge in uh, that that uh, stock market movie. What was that thing? The oh shoot, the J.C. Chandor thing. Margin about call. The stock, margin call. Whew, thank you. Uh, yeah. And he says, "Oh my God." No. No. Uh, oh. What's the movie with Kevin Spacey's dog? Margin call. Margin call. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the last listener we have is Eric Geithner. Um, it, he went to see it with his wife. They both enjoyed it. Uh, he was more excited about this than he is about watching James Bond movies. And I bring this up because oh, yeah. Kelly Wan brought up Goldfinger. Um, he loved the bathroom fight scene, as did Brian Becker. Uh, he thought the film tipped its hand too early, as did uh, Markinson. Um, what I love is his wife's complaint. Uh, Eric Geithner's wife says, "You don't put a prisoner in the front seat." 
Wait, who is the not? prisoner? Yeah. Because he's going to get shot if he's in the front oh, seat. Oh, I him see. In the back. Yeah. Well, he can get shot then he in the back of the head. Yeah, and what? he can escape. you got to keep an eye on him. He might try some shit. you got to keep an eye on him. You punch it. You make him unconscious and then shove him under the... Uh... You put him in the trunk like they did at the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah, come on. They... Uh, right. Let the CIA handle this. They know what they're doing. Yeah. So that's it. All right. What are we going to see next week, you guys? You think we'll have as much uh, fodder for discussion? Uh, the next movie is going to be so into like the moral calculus of who lives and who dies. I'm sure there's going to be uh, some electrifying performances. Uh, we're yeah. going to have a lot of characters to talk about. A really uh, cool action star for once. Absolutely, yeah. Mm, uh, so, yeah. so does all you, his own stunts. If you guys are like us and you see the Meg, good villain. Send your thoughts into 3x3 at quarter3.com. Get those to us before August 12th at midnight Pacific. Jesus. And we will include your comments. Dingus, what 3x3 three three should we be thinking about for a few more weeks? You guys should be thinking of your favorite ladders in movies. Mm. Oh, yeah. I've, oh! I've, I've since come up with a couple that I no longer think what when I think about this topic. An escalator counts, right? No, Kelly Wan, nope. say, yep. Try, try to get away with that. What? Uh, what and if you that? if Just you have well, you know, okay. Kelly Wan, these are all in, intriguing questions, but let's save them <laughs> for our podcast on our three by three on our favorite ladders. If Uh-oh. listeners want to participate, send in before August second at midnight uh, another email to three x three at quarter to three dot com. August for, sorry, uh, August twenty sixth at midnight. Okay, good. No, cause... September 2nd at midnight. Yeah, that's your deadline. Right? <laughs> Am I doing that right? <laughs> and we will include your favorite ladders. Or just listen to the next few podcasts when I will probably get the deadline correct. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we look forward to talking to you guys about The Meg next week. We will see you then. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Murlowski. It's Christian Murlowski. Thing is, I was hoping you were gonna do uh, Henry Cavill's little gag about uh, uh, the name's Walker. By the way, why didn't you do that? No, no. I was gonna. I was also gonna do. Uh, what name do you prefer? I thought the name's Walker. By the way, was really cute. Th- that was Henry Cavill's shining moment. I thought. Mm-hmm. And we had Kelly Wand. By the way, Henry, you were great as Gort. <laughs> Law school for the firm felt like it. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have what eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Oregai Six. Is that a question, sir? Yes, Walter. That's a question. That is correct. My ghillie suits pink. My bomb diffusing lessons with CG. Je suis désolé. Say it again in a normal tone. <laughs>